0: This seems like a fun car to have. Like, he seems to hate his job. He looks like he has fun in his car.
1: Yeah, big wheels, elevator. Yeah,
0: and he's kind of standing up sometimes in it. I think even if I, I think if I
1: whistle, you won't even hear it. I'm gonna try it. I can it. Heard just a little bit. I heard like a, like an exhale. but That was
0: all right. I tried to get the whistle in there, but it just didn't work. You know what I was whistling? That was a perfect version of the Indiana Jones theme. Professionally whistled version. A pitch perfect. Pitch perfect. Can you hear
1: this? This is my scruffy beard.
0: No. Oh, perfect. These, like these microphones are too good. They're too good for the show I want to put on. Well, I,
1: I bought a cheap arm and it came with some gadgetry. One of them is a pop filter and I put that on. So I don't know if that's doing.
0: Yeah, you you have the Carol Ann effect.
1: You have the like,
0: the, like, mommy Carol Ann, I can't hear you.
1: That's I'll try to not move so much, even though it's like six inches from my beak. I'll try not to move so much. Okay.
0: Well, let's let's start the show. I'm going to introduce you. I'm just going to introduce you in context to like maybe some of the people that listen to this might know you already okay. from our various projects. But uh, for those of you just tuning in, this is Nathan Lamoureux. Used to help out at WYEP where he, oh
1: man, that's been ages,
0: used his hard drive to systematically absorb their entire <laughs> library.
1: Nope. <laughs> where he absorbed. My my lawyer is tapping me on the shoulder.
0: He was in, in charge of the music, in charge mm-hmm. of accumulating mm-hmm. as much music <laughs> as he could possibly accumulate. Um, yeah, I don't know if you were, if back then were you also, it was Justin, me, and you were. Mostly over there.
1: Hopped I never me. crossed paths with Justin.
0: Yeah, he he kind of, I just took over what he was doing, but he, he trained me how to do it. And it was a volunteer position, but the shift was ridiculous. It was midnight to four in the morning. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. And it was so, fun. I was always hopped up on Red Bull and nerd ropes. I think, I don't know if this was Justin's friend or your friend who had, who delivered Red Bull. He had one of those little square trucks. That would okay. not be me. Do you remember that that time when there was little Red Bull trucks rolling around?
1: I do. They look like clown cars.
0: Yeah, they little, and he had uh, like pallets of expired Red Bull, and so he just gave them to people. So we had just tons of Red Bull. But
1: and ambassador,
0: and you know, it's it's ta- it tastes terrible, but it was already flat. I'm used to Red Bull being flat from drinking expired Red Bull. So I had one the other day, and. The nostalgia factor really wasn't there because it was it was too fizzy, too too palatable. Mm-hmm. Do you ever drink well, monster, monster Energies or anything like that?
1: Drinks? No, I don't do energy drinks. I, I'm always afraid in my frail age that my heart's just going to crap out. I never liked the <laughs> taste either. I never liked. The, I never got into the like the like Smarties, Pez taste.
0: Yeah, it's a it's definitely like a can like a dead candy taste. Yeah, yeah and there's yeah. so little
1: volume in a can. How much carbonation is there? Probably the reason they're going flat is they're just sitting on the shelf.
0: Well, someone recently told me that they first did focus groups for Red Bull and everybody rejected it, saying it tasted like shit, but they just put it out anyway. And so it's that's like a a feature, not a bug. It kind of tastes like shit. There's like a lesson in there or something like the if you if it tasted better, people wouldn't. I think people think it's like medicine. They, They think this tastes bad. So maybe i should drink it this i might be overthinking it but it
1: well it does have that graphic design it's kind of like i don't know the country of origin i'm assuming it's american but it has like a almost swiss army sort of like graphic design like minimalist that maybe gives that like oh this is european this is good for (laughs) this is medicine this is it looks it looks like the swiss army knife that's true that's true now kids just have the uh have you heard about the um panera bread charged lemonade that is killing people no Ooh. it's apparently it's some like
0: <laughs> oh, tell me more can i end this misery what is <laughs> what is this lemonade
1: I, I i think one was an anomaly the second death was not a coincidence i don't know uh it's some beverage that they sell in panera bread apparently it's hyper caffeinated but it's not either properly advertised as such or the average consumer just doesn't know what a milligram is so they see like Whatever, five thousand milligrams, and they just kind of shrug. It's amazing. And you know how those—I mean, those fast food people—they, they'll pick a restaurant and they'll eat there five days a week. Right. I guess some some middle aged guy passed away recently. Um, he may have had other heart problems. I'm not speaking for or against Panera here, but yeah, he his heart. I
0: cracked. used to love Panera. That was that was fancy back in the overnight DJ days. Like Panera bread when it showed up, it was it was kind of like Subway and Chipotle where it's It was a nice, uh, it was new at least, and it seemed better for a minute. Somebody said, somebody described it as uh, hospital food. They said Panera's (laughs) like fancy hospital food. And now- I can see that. I get it. Like that is what it was, but I- Even the
1: setting with that little like cafeteria, like bar sort of setup with the tray. I can see that. I do like their bread bowls. They're like as big as your head and you can just put as much soup as you can put in there. And
0: just The bread bowl, the idea of eating the bowl is great. That's like some Willy Wonka shit just
1: (laughs) devouring
0: your utensils and everything. But that was all those things happened in Pittsburgh right around that same time. That was, I think I started eating bread bowls at Panera, drinking expired red bulls and doing that overnight DJ stint, which was, it was very cozy. It was a very, it was so, the streets were so dead and just to kind of sit there and play music was just, it was very comforting. It was very content moment in time. I don't know.
1: Well, the building was so quiet because it was, you know,
0: yeah it was in the South side. Right. And it was in, is I wonder if it's still there that Uh,
1: I don't know. I don't know if it's still there, but yeah, I, I, I remember visiting the old location once I think with you and then they moved to the newer, newer, I don't know if they're still at that location, but the newer location with that new building. And, uh, it was a nice building. It was quiet, peaceful, big windows where you could see the city at night.
0: It was pretty cool. Yeah. It was always, yeah, it was at least all the memories of it were being cold. I think I did it for a couple of years, but I don't know. There's that scene in um, in Primer where Abe when Abe's in the box traveling back in time and he talks about when he's lingering in that space where that's doing the parabolic curve. And he says, I, I heard the hum of the machine and it was the most content I've ever been. But that's and then he comes out. And he's got like the ear bleed. That's kind of like uh, that's the the effect of DJing and drinking expired Red Bulls and staying up till four. Like it's not
1: good for you. <laughs> H- hearing the hum the, of your hard drive,
0: yes, uh, or the the little ticker tape weather report in the background, all the, that hum and being in that cold box was very content. I don't know if might have been the most content I've ever been, but this is where there'll be a. Comedy cut
1: to my
0: ear bleeding. But yeah, another place we know Nate from or Nathan. Sorry, that's cool. No, no, it's cool. Protects your your brand. There was
1: no, we, no, no. I have no
0: brand. <laughs> you, um, we reverse. We also engineered. You helped me engineer the method or the reverse nightingale, as I called it, which was partially oh, on the martingale roulette strategy. By watching Grand Theft Auto and taking notes, we hacked roulette in a way. That is true. For a decade later or more than that, I still have n- continuous wins at the roulette table. As long as I don't bet more than a hundred, I can turn about a hundred dollars into about $180 every time Yeah, based on the reverse Nightingale. You can't have a, it's like in Carlito's way, you can't have a, a late start and you can't learn it on the street. <laughs> you got to play grand theft auto, San Andreas and go to the yeah, little, you um,
1: cool. yeah, I, 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 for the record, it, you made it sound like I'm like of the crime organization, um, <laughs> I'm the wise guy that was, that just kind of was the hype man. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: I don't want you to minimize that because if I recall, you had a sheet of numbers that you left in plain sight on a dashboard at the casino, in the casino parking lot, which has got to, I don't work at a casino, but that's got to be a red flag when you look at the monitor and see a car with a bunch of handwritten
1: figures on the, on the mm-hmm. dashboard. Mm-hmm. Like you're picking up signals from space. Or
0: yeah. That's, I mean, that is, isn't that exactly how somebody counts cards is you just keep, you can't, you keep track of it and you had a record of keeping track of the roulette averages, at least that's my memory of it.
1: I like that memory. It it, it sweetens it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have gotten up to a, as much as $700 from $200,
1: but I don't like to gamble. That is um
0: that's for the DGENs, man. I I do not like to gamble and lose money.
1: Yeah, though. I the one reason I I said I was just the wise guy. I have the worst luck gambling and uh <laughs> I think I might've just watched from the sidelines. Or you gambled. You know.
0: That's, that's where you made a mistake. Cause you gambled. You didn't use like, yeah. the reverse nightingale. Um, there was a movie on, do you get, do you watch Tubi? Uh, occasionally. Um, Tubi's got owning Mahoney. I'd never seen it. I'm having fun discovering old Roy Scheider and old, uh, I already forgot his fucking name with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm. You know, him and Roy Scheider died a little young and I love those guys. And I thought I saw all their movies, but there's dozens more. Like Hoffman, he made, he must have made at least a dozen more movies and I never even heard of him. Like Owning Mahoney. Have you ever heard of that?
1: I have. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I think my such, my such poor luck at gambling kind of chased me away from watching gambling movies.
0: I think the kind of the charm is how low rent it is. It it plays like a TV movie of the week. He's a gambling addict who nobody is stopping from just running through millions of dollars that he's embezzling from his bank
1: with fake loans. And oh, it's much more recent than I thought. I just checked 2003. It reason, feels like it, it was later. It
0: feels like a 90s movie. I mean, what's cool is that he shows no pleasure. But this is also a problem with it. He has like there's no pleasure when he wins. So you don't follow any ups or downs, so you don't get the joy of seeing him hit rock bottom. He's just this stone-faced cipher who just continues to gamble and I guess that's the point, but there I guess there is one vaguely cocky flick of his card when he wins, kind of like, I don't know if you saw the Tough Guys Don't Dance trailer when Norman Mailer flicks the comment card from the preview audience that was ripping on his movie. Um, he kind of flicks a blackjack card like, all right, fuck you. That's the only time you see any emotion from him. But like, I'm sure that the misery of the experience is accurate, but stuff like Uncut Gems, both versions was, of the, yeah, the gambler, I want to see somebody just flame out right just spiral and he just sure he's just so even keeled it just doesn't um yeah i didn't get much out of it I, it was fun yeah. to see philip more often alive again you know but yeah
1: I, that yeah that's tragic because i mean i mean he's good 40s he was in his 40s yeah yeah
0: he's good at playing a sad sack you know he's just sort of like a little potato man yeah. and he's good at, i mean i'd recommend just putting it on to see the choices he makes as far as not showing any emotion but i don't know if i'd I'd recommend it or anything, but it's Mimi
1: Driver, John Hurt. She's wasted in it. She
0: does nothing. She just is the long suffering girlfriend. Now like Uh in Uncut
1: Gems where the girlfriend
0: and the wife get to Get to give him some some grief back. She just suffers in that. But but this was two thousand
1: three. This was the tail end of like yeah. I don't know women not being characters.
0: I guess. Have you watched anything recently, like uh any Tubies or any Netflixes? They're they're kind of like air airplane movies, I guess you'd call them. Movies you wouldn't normally watch.
1: I I do a lot of rental, as you know. I do a lot of library borrows, and that's where I put my trust in the library because I would not pay to rent or pay to own. But that Any the, that lowers your standard though immediately uh it, it depends it depends if i if i'm already aware of the film you know if it's something that got a lot of press or it's just known you know i i have reasonable expectations but there are some stuff i have i'm trying to pull up a list here of some stuff that i kind of caught me unprepared i have that's where we Indiana get the, jones brain right now this is what that's where we get the, the good stuff the the spontaneous
0: reactions to terrible, terrible movies. Because we're going to talk about the most mid-range, average shit in the world when we get to this director. So I want to go a little, a little lower or a little higher. Uh, we watched some real garbage. Uh, no hard feelings with Jennifer Lawrence. Oh,
1: that's like a weird, like a romantic comedy.
0: I think it's maybe
1: it's like I, a sex comedy, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I'm so confused by that movie. I don't know if I was talking to you about this, but we we both wanted to pick kind of a purposely shitty quote airplane movie something that you would just click on an airplane and path pay attention to because mm-hmm. we're both like working on stuff and so we decided to open the open the old netflix look at the screen and pick the the two whatever the big ones were and it was old dads and no hard feelings and we decided whichever one had a joke that made us laugh first then we'd watch that whole movie so we we gave each movie the opening 10 or 15 minutes t- to wait for a laugh and then we saw which whatever one made us laugh first that was the plan anyway but no hard feelings we laughed at like 10 minutes in with what could only be described as a rape joke which is uh
1: not what i was expecting well there's a weird like age difference where there's like a yeah. weird like yeah power like power dynamic adult absolutely. child sort of thing going on
0: yeah if you flipped the genders um it wouldn't be funny at all. But with her, she's just talking to her girlfriends and they're talking about the dumbest reasons they've had sex with somebody. And one of them says, I, I had sex with a guy just so I didn't have to drive to work. And one of them and the other one goes, I had sex with a guy because I thought he was going to kill me, <laughs> which surprised a laugh out of both of uh, them. Yeah. So we clicked on that one. And then we uh, watched uh, Old Dad's and we didn't laugh. We went like 12 minutes, nothing. It was just not funny. And I thought Bill Burr was kind of funny. I, am
1: I remembering him wrong? His stand-up was funny, wasn't it? Uh, he's definitely a personality. I don't know if I laugh so much. I guess his, his stand-up's funny. I laugh more just at his own personality. He's just such a character.
0: Yeah, they made him... They, they were trying to do the whole, can't believe all these kids, you know, everyone gets a trophy, all that shit. But I thought they'd at least bring something else to it. Bobby think the,
1: it looks like a dad cast too. Just yeah, looking yeah. at the cast list, Bill Burr, Bobby, Bobby Cummings, Holly.
0: We kind of we tried to figure out why it wasn't funny. And we because it was skewering annoying things, but there's something about a movie that skewers annoying things that's annoying. If that makes any sense, like it it would say something like. Oh this company is now a gender neutral carbon neutral 21st century lifestyle apparel brand and you're just like ah that's just internet talk you know like i get that that's supposed to, you're, you're annoyed by that new thing but just
1: saying it is annoying does that make any sense it, no it does i'm um, see i'm i think i'm too young for that i mean i'm only my forty you're too young self. for old dads <laughs> Well, I, I mean because it seems like you have to be 65 plus retirement age to I don't know get this, nah, to no, enjoy aimed, those jokes. It is aimed
0: directly at Uncle Nate. I'll tell you that right now. It is aimed right at your age group.
1: Mm. Yeah, I'll keep it in mind. Maybe I'll put it on a list and I'll
0: watch. The other one I was gonna ask you about, have you watched any of this monarch legacy of monsters stuff?
1: No, I don't have HBO Max. Um
0: yeah, it's it's boring. I don't yeah, know. I, I was bored. I watched two episodes. I started to fast forward until I'd see a monster and mm-hmm. then stop and watch it. There was something that looked like a bat dragon. Uh, the Godzilla design isn't good. He looks kind of like a cat. It's just stupid. And he's got this like yeah. shaky, he has a shaky throat pouch. When did Godzilla start like undulating? He looks like he's kind of full of water or something. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I liked it better. What was it? The, the 2014 Godzilla, the one that was the most serious of the bunch, made it seem like he was just a big tree trunk. You know, he just kind of moved stiffly. And yeah,
0: I think the stiffer, the better. Did you watch Shin Godzilla?
1: I did. I like that. I like I haven't the, seen the minus 1, the new one, the yeah. new
0: not that they're related, not that they're tied into each other, but I think that uh, there a lot of people are conflating the two as a uh, as like the the good ones or the serious ones. Um I did like Shin Godzilla the way how weird
1: he was. Well, it kind of I mean it was more uh, allegorical like the original one.
0: Yeah. And that's speaking of a tree trunk, he was just this tower of of like bones. warts or something. He was just this freaky thing. And there was so many moments when he didn't move at all, which ironically were better, where he just, mm. he was just this monument in the middle of the city for the longest. Yeah, he had
1: little like pointy bits. He just looked like a pile. I think that was the intentional, <laughs> yeah. you know, but he just looked like a pile of broken bones. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And he would have these regeneration stasis moments where he would just stand there. And that looked the freakiest where it just sort of in the distance you see the, the godzilla tower but the new ones they it's all marveled up they're, like on the show there's a there's a giant snow mole creature that seems to have like x-men powers and they've got like uh fucking uh i don't know if you saw the ad for the new godzilla I have king kong where they they're running like an x-men team oh, at the yes, end. yes. terrible terrible just these weightless stupid looking
1: things well yeah the uh, the first one i mean not that it was a an adult film it was still made for kids the 2014 godzilla gareth edwards godzilla but the more that series continued the more cartoonish things became which i mean
0: that's the thing is novel people-
1: it's not novel godzilla has been that before but right. it it's just it was just I don't know. I thought we were going to get a series of more serious films.
0: I mean, that's, you make a good point that every time I try to complain about the kind of the Marvelization of Godzilla, people are like, we don't, you remember, he used to slide on his tail and do like Mm -hmm. wrestling moves. And I understand that those were goofy too, but there's just something even more bland and cynical about like, if it was really ridiculous, that'd be one thing, but it just, it just feels just so glassy and bland. I guess he's he just seems weightless and he move, his face is moving around too much. Like, uh, do you remember Dragonheart?
1: I do. I do
0: <laughs> that overly animated face. I got, wanted to like it because we have we had a free trial with Apple. Kurt Russell's son plays a young Kurt Russell, which I guess makes sense. I don't know. There was one cool part that you might enjoy where they trick Godzilla into coming close to a tower with a nuke on it, and they just nuke
1: him right in the fucking face.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, I was surprised by that like oh that that looked like it hurt that was unexpected
1: yeah but- see with shows like that I'm always not that I need high-budget CG to be convinced that I'm watching monsters fight each other but mm-hmm. with those shows like it seems like the budget just is not maybe HBO can throw that kind of money around but what was the one series I was thinking of? just they had the budget was just stretched too thin they couldn't I mean you can edit a season of TV down to a movie and, you know, it would cost the same.
0: Yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to mention, we had a Halloween super spectacular with
1: the 31 movies
0: that we watched mm-hmm. at this house for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Totally forgot one. And I think you watched it. If I remember. Correct. Did you watch when evil lurks?
1: When evil lurks. I did not. I did not.
0: Or, or what is it? Qu- Quando. A- 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 Kicha la Maldad. I don't know. Maybe that doesn't translate as when evil lurks. I'd recommend it just because, um, it's confusing and weird, but, uh, I, I saw there was a lot of hype about it, but there's like a, it's a demon possession thing, but there seems the life cycle of the demons is confusing. Whatever's going on with those demons. I need, I need information. There's a, it's there's a, a life cycle of, a, of some sort of possession that's happening. And I don't understand it. I, I don't know if it's purposely vague, but like a, a dog seems to get possessed by sniffing some guy's clothes, but then. Sometimes, if you if you kill something that has this possession, then you get possessed. If you shoot it, you get possessed. But if you let it live and let it attack you, you get possessed in a different way. I, I didn't understand it. Oh. I was it's it's a Spanish
1: language. Yeah, yeah. Okay. but yeah. no. The only reason because I came up, I was trying. I found a couple different titles, but it looks like it's Argentina.
0: Yes, it's it's the, the poster has a woman pointing an axe at her own face. There's probably the most alarming dog attack I've seen in a long time so thumbs up for what they do okay. with the dog i will check it out I'll but then i don't know it. It? how did you watch it it was on uh shutter okay i got the i went to youtube and you can get a free trial of shutter or showtime shutter for seven yeah, days yeah. so yeah it's, it's definitely worth the free seven days and then i just burned through some yeah if you can figure out what the rules are for getting mauled by a demon dog um and why you may or may not show any signs of being hit by a car when you're possessed but you could. i don't it was confusing but I wanted to make sure I touched on that one because that was yeah yeah that should have been part of the Halloween spectacular and it just didn't happen
1: yeah I'll check it out but
0: yeah we should uh, we should jump into our mangled deep dive
1: we watched a lot of the same but I think yeah. there are a few that we didn't share right a couple well There's only step- one in my case
0: oh we've got uh, somebody creeping up the steps here who, who uh, we got who's that who's that that's you yeah. can you say hi to Nathan. Yeah. All right. oh we got a copycat okay i gotta finish this up so we can uh go to uh, get this done in time to go to dinner okay i hate it <laughs> okay copycat go on are you hearing this torture
1: i i heard a little bit of yeah i heard a little bit of her voice what's that peeking in
0: okay cool on. close the door please she's copying me i didn't somebody must have told her about about copying Um, uh, but yeah talk about a he, he might be the most perfect, almost good kind of director. I think none of his work was amazing. What do the k- kids say? Mid these days. They're calling mm-hmm. everything mid. Yeah. This this guy. This guy seems kind of mid. I I think that the one I liked the best was 310 to Yuma. Which one did you, of all of the stuff that you looked at this week, the last couple so of So
1: I watched, and this is kind of in chronological, I because we were doing the Indiana Jones and he did the most recent one, I was trying to find, films of his that matched that theme I didn't yeah. I mean there's only so many that can match that so anyway start from the top Copland Identity 2003 I didn't, that didn't one, watch that
0: I liked it I thought when I saw it but I didn't rewatch it what did what did you think of it this time Rob?
1: well it doesn't fit the theme uh I, I I had watched it once before um and I remembered it has like a high concept and a little bit of a third act twist i remembered it but i couldn't remember if it was executed well but does, does Spoiler, it, have, it was not
0: i think it's one of those things where the twist is so huge that it has no rewatchability. does that mean yeah. is that what it's yeah.
1: happening? i mean can i spoil it it's a 20 year old film
0: yeah nobody exists right isn't that the twist they're all the part setup
1: of it. is that there is some mental criminally i don't want to say insane that's not but a, a, a patient who has committed Murder, murderers, maybe plural. And yeah, it's a multiple personality thing where strangers end up at a motel string of motel rooms and they're they're killed one by one. And you learn pretty quickly that you know none of these characters exist. They're all different personalities that this murderer has, and you're seeing doctors try to diagnose him and free him from mobility. It's it's not good.
0: Yeah. I remember rainy hotel. John Cusack, that's about all I remember. Maybe the guy from Heat was in it.
1: Uh, Ray Liotta's in it. Oh, really? John Cusack. Okay. Yeah. Um, we have a Busey. Yeah, it's just not good. It's not good. Anyways, but uh, I did watch 310 of Yuma, and believe it or not, I rewatched Logan because it has kind of the old man vibe that Indy
0: Yeah, has. I think that was his, his run. If he had, um, I don't know if you've ever listened to Tony McMillan's um, Five Star Autopsy podcast. Mm-hmm. He does, yeah. he points out the best runs that people have where if they have a like a John Carpenter's run of classics where he was it? the thing, Escape from New York, they all kind of stack up next to each other. From Assault on Precinct 13, Halloween, The Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing would be like the five movie run where it was perfection. Um, yeah, those are all great. Yeah. He tries to point out that it's interesting because it seems like a lot of people have those and, and it makes sense that effort and skill and resources would all kind of peak at the same time. And I think that you're right when you said, I think you said to me earlier this week that 310 to Yuma holds up the best or held up better than maybe identity at least. But I think that's where he might've peaked. He did. Yeah, the, well,
1: I've he, noticed with, you know, this happens often, very often where filmmaker, once they reach a certain point in their career, they build up a troupe. They have their cinematographer, they have some of their actors and then they start to get that 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 streak i've noticed he he was started using cinematographer's faden spelled papa michael apparently greek but i want to say it's kel or michelle i don't know Mm -hmm. regardless the cinematographer he stuck with um from like identity on that was 2003 that makes sense yeah but but they all looked good 310 to yuma looked great that one definitely did stand out for me as being the his that I rewatched I mean obviously it's a remake it felt the freshest looked the best
0: yeah I think to to kind of expand on what you're saying so I think this a similar thing is going on like not only does is he peaking in a way where people are noticing him and they're giving him more resources you're saying he's finding his he's finding his people he's it surrounding it like
1: well, yeah yeah I mean I, I looked up the filmography of the cinematographer and you know he bounces between Mangold and i think maybe soderbergh or some other a couple other people but you know he sticks pretty close with three or four different directors um yeah but yeah that seems to happen in hollywood it seems to happen you know it so makes frequently.
0: sense i mean his yeah. i'm not a huge fan of um i liked logan i thought he does you know he's got the two wolverine movies one i thought was pretty bad
1: but i didn't rewatch the wolverine it, looks, it looks good did
0: it looks good and i like the joke that wolverine never learned to fight because he was invincible so he's terrible at fighting that seems to be a running joke in that movie that he just keeps getting shot and it and it's doing terrible things to him because his healing isn't working that's kind of funny but uh i think logan was the big step up that's where he just really dug in and seems to have said what he wanted to say about it and and apparently those two projects were always conceived of as a because there's the one of them references the other his his death is referenced in the wolverine it's it's weird because huh. um, the the Wolverine seemed like just such a kind of a jerk off of a movie. Like, here you go. Here's another some more content. But then yeah. Logan seemed like a kind of a statement on superhero films. It was a big closing the door on it, making Professor X responsible for killing them all was fascinating.
1: Lipped out. I it came out. I you, you wouldn't have even been able to convince me. It was I thought it was like a first time director. Not that I right away that it was mangled, but. It just yeah, it didn't vibe with me at all. Um, Logan, I liked the, a lot more. You are talking about
0: the Wolverine or Logan? The Wolverine, yeah, the Wolverine. Right,
1: right. It didn't. I mean, like we, he's kind yeah, of. It a, just ends with a, a giant, hire. giant robot
0: suit battle. It, it was just stupid.
1: Yeah, um, but yeah, the themes in Logan were were I liked them a lot better. They were a little more mature. You didn't have a lot of the silliness yet. And it
0: also finally addressed what fight scenes with him would look like, which are. Horrifically violent and kind of off-putting yeah. that sequence where everyone's frozen and he's just systematically stabbing them in the head.
1: Yeah. Blades to, after another.
0: Yeah. Just blade after blade through craniums is just, Oh, this is, you can see why he would be the way he is. Cause it's just soul killing to watch. So that was fun. So yeah, it yeah, was, I think that was, it was his streak. And then I think Ford versus Ferrari was decent. I remember enjoying it as far as the endurance test. Of the, of that Le Mans race or whatever. A big, see, I didn't see that. I never saw Ford. The big, Ford. big dad movie. He seems to be making these big dad movies. But yeah, I was looking at his, the way, the where he started, he seemed to have been trying on a bunch of different hats. Heavy, if anybody saw, did you w- end up watching any of Heavy?
1: I did not, no.
0: So his first movie just looks like any other indie movie. It's about a overweight cook who's obsessed with the new waitress. And it's a very, indie character study kind of deal it stars the guy from everybody probably knows him as the guy with the eye that twitches
1: that got that actor is actually in identity as as the murderer no shit and his, yeah who <laughs> whose uh, personality is the character
0: that's funny so he, that he, that was a beginning of him finding his people he's like i like that left eye of yours that yeah. <laughs> goes nuts and he even was,
1: ray Liotta. ray Liotta's in copland and he was in
0: that makes sense yeah. he was in um Jacob's ladder they they took advantage of that mm-hmm. high in that. and uh, Constantine, he was the guy who's drinks himself to death with invisible booze in the in the liquor store. He's got a look yeah, he's
1: definitely a character actor. They hire him for his eyes.
0: so that just seemed like a kind of an indie movie like here I can make I can do one of those. And then he does Copland, which feels to me like a kind of a poor man Scorsese. It makes sense what you're saying that he hadn't found his the look or a a signature. I don't know, like a like a grand canvas because mm. Copland. I like the. It looks like it should be great, but there's just something about it that feels thin. Like everything about it on paper sounds like it's got all the twists it needs to be amazing, but it just it it just looks kind of silly. I don't I don't know. Um, yeah.
1: As far as the way it looks, I did check. Uh, it is a different cinematographer than his more recent films. So that, that may explain just the look of it as well. Um, but the cast what, is stacked in that movie. Copland, the guy it's crazy. He-
0: did I see the guy from Heavy in Copland? I
1: don't remember seeing him.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking of him as something else. The last thing I'll say about Heavy is it's, you're supposed to be very sympathetic of him as a loner. Who's, you know, has no friends, but there's so many shots of him watching Liv Tyler, the waitress. It makes him seem uh, honestly it makes him seem kind of shiftier and scarier than he's supposed to be. If he's looking around a corner, it makes it look like he's studying her in a way that I don't think that they intended because it's supposed to be this heartfelt, sad story. But they chose somebody who looks a little more threatening. I just I thought he was a cop in Copland, but
1: uh, may have been I didn't see his face and I didn't see it come up in his the actor's filmography. But he, he may have,
0: what did you think? It's funny.
1: It's funny. You mentioned the eyes too, because I have some family members who have a similar. Oh yeah. I don't know what what you would call that condition, but, um, I think it's just, uh, you can see has some sort of legally blind. Well,
0: yeah, your, your brain has no problem making those adjustments. Did you ever see that there was somebody whose head was, he was looking behind and backwards because of the way he was born Mm -mm, mm -mm. and his, so his brain had to flip the image which it did immediately, I guess. So he sees right side up, even though he's kind of looking upside down, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. like your brain just says, oh, well, I'll fix that. So I, I imagine that he doesn't notice at all that his eye is doing that. The brain would yeah. adjust very easily.
1: But yeah, Copland, I liked, um, it's crazy, the cast. I, first of all, I couldn't get over like. Oh, it's so stacked. How did he secure the cast? Like this was one of his first features.
0: I think because the he, script, who, What kind the, of favors did he call? looks like. The script looks like it would be amazing. I think it's just on the the strength of that script. You'd think, oh, I want to be part of this. This is a big canvas thriller. It's going to be huge, but that's not how it plays. At least I don't think so. I think it plays like, a, I, I come back to this again. It looks kind of like a TV movie. And it was one of the first times where De Niro seems small and not very De Niro-y. <laughs> okay.
1: That was one thing I noticed. He He kind of like, there's a scene probably maybe halfway through, like he rage quits off screen. Um, (laughs) It happens where his, you know, the case is shut down. There's some corruption going on and his investigation is shut down and pushes his computer off the desk and right off, right off the movie. Yeah. Shows up at the end again to kind of, you know, hug, hug Stallone. But that was pretty much it.
0: Yeah. He's real. I liked his, his cynical flounce. You're right. Cause he, cause that was in the trailer. I remember the trailer when it came out, this was pre-internet, I think, or at least I was, I didn't have any internet. And I thought it was called I thought people were calling it Copland as a joke and that it was called Copeland or Copeland mm-hmm. or I guess, co, you know, coping with shit or whatever. That's that would probably be a better title. But I thought it was called Copeland and people were just calling it Copeland or that Copeland was the was the joke and that the town was called Copeland. But anyway, that was just my own confusion. But I remember the trailer De Niro had the big moment in the trailer where he says, you blew it. When Stallone finally goes to him and says, You said I could come in here and uh, we I could help you out. And he's like, You blew it. And that was the big trailer moment. But that is where he says, He's like, Nah, the case is closed. And then he leaves. And De Niro's like, If that cupcake makes a mess, uh, we got a case again. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Stallone's character, that's a wild character because you're watching it. And first of all, as I'm, you know, the first couple scenes, you're like, Okay, he's a down on his luck sheriff. Right. No one likes him because he's only a sheriff. But then it's like start to wonder, is he dumb? Is he just stupid? Like, are you right Yeah, They give the him message. Like, just don't be stupid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, they give him the his his introduction is is amazing. Honestly, he's on a pinball machine, a, a cop pinball machine. And the, the machine itself is saying you have no authority. You have no oh, authority, yeah. <laughs> which is a hilarious introduction. And then he's just kind of okie doking around with his busted nose tape. You know, it's like, forget it, Freddie. It's it's Copeland town. Like He's just a
1: schlub. I thought maybe like he was playing dumb. At some point, he's just trying to fly under the radar as this.
0: But yeah, but uh, honestly, he's not. But, no, he's dumb. It wasn't Oscar. It, it was Oscar bait, right? Like I said, the the script should work it's the script is playing to everybody's strengths. You've got Leota is doing his all he's doing his twitchy and sweaty thing. He, he's got that down, right? Kaitel is effortlessly scary as always. He just, he can be very centered in his intimidation. Kaitel's should be great. De Niro's mugging and Stallone, like you said, is kind of pulling a simple Jack <laughs> for the Oscar bait. It, you know, he cranks the sad sack Springsteen's tunes. Um, yeah. So all, yeah, that I, stuff, all that stuff should work is my point. Like why, or do you think it all works i don't don't know Uh,
1: well i mean because it's only probably like a 90 minute 90 some minute film you're an hour and 20 minutes in and stallone's character hasn't got it yet you know like Like we're third act and he's just he needs to take a hint from ray leota's character a lot sooner and (laughs) he just doesn't and that's why i'm thinking he's playing dumb because we're halfway through the film and
0: that and that shit can work too like uh blood simple the whole gimmick is the audience knows more than everybody you're getting the pleasure of watching them make mistakes but i don't think you're supposed to feel that way about stallone and it sounds like that's the way you felt about stallone which is catch up with everybody else
1: yeah there's a scene where they're starting to get close to stallone they're, they know he knows and there's a scene where he is threatened in someone pulls a gun on him in the back seat of his Sheriff's vehicle, and I'm thinking, okay, this is this is going to be a motivating factor. But then, no, he just literally slow walks his dumb body around town for another 20 (laughs)
0: minutes. Yeah,
1: some giddy up, you know, like get it together.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, I, I admire his attempt to go low key after so many 80s cartoon characters, right? Mm -hmm. But he's he's so low key, he almost evaporates. Even his big rampage at the end is subdued. Like Leota gets the big moment, arguably. Yeah. Um, I remember it being advertised as Stallone's big return to form. Everybody was saying, oh, you got to see him in this. You know, it's like it's like Rocky. He's great. And um, I, I will give Stallone credit that he he has something. He has some sort of charisma where I couldn't take my eyes off of him, even though I couldn't understand exactly what his character was supposed to know or do. But I was constantly watching him. I was constantly waiting for him to activate. So I don't know if that's just me channeling my memory of him as such a physical superhero and all these other goofy movies like he's going to activate at some point so I'm kind of waiting for it I was compelled to watch him so I'll give him that
1: yeah yeah I mean you want to like the character you want to like him he's like just everyone dogs on him the whole movie yeah you know, he, he missed out on the girl he's pining after the girl but yet just doesn't get it
0: yet. he's definitely at home in the in the, the mid the midness of of the movie he feels very comfortable in it whereas i feel like leota's wandered in from a better movie he seems like he's 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 like a live wire and when he, I, I was just as compelled by him but he felt like he was in a that he was better than the movie he was in
1: um, for sure for sure and if you had convinced me that this was another identity situation where you know, ray leota was like half of his conscious and the other half was this might <laughs> enjoy it more you know just because one of them is so full of energy Right, Ray Liotta is just all coked up, just buzzing around. And Stallone just has his saggy, droopy face walking around. I mean,
0: did you see the, what about the scene when he's, when he shows everybody at the fairgrounds that he's a sharpshooter? That scene has no, Mm -hmm. it doesn't fit any anywhere in the movie. All of a sudden they're at a fairground and he's, he sees big stuffed turtles and he goes up and he shows uh, a Terminator cop that he's amazing at shooting. That's just the whole point of it, I guess, to show that he is he could be lethal. Is that some sort yeah. of
1: foreshadowing? And that was a little late, too. You know, like if you're going to show that, I
0: think the turtles had to have been a callback to Rocky with his his pet turtles, Cuff and Link. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that had to have been a call. But I think what strikes me the most about Copeland is how unnecessary the cover up seems to us now. That no one would bother covering that up now. That they would yeah. they would be in no danger from getting in trouble for like on the bridge, the, the kids point their steering wheel lock at the cop, right? At, uh, at zebra head, they ram his car, his tire blows up. So he lights him up with his, with his gun. He would, there's so much corrupt police corruption. He would get off in five seconds. There was no need to plant a weapon on that situation.
1: Uh, I, no, I agree. I agree. Um, And it's the setup. Yeah. Like you said, they point what for all intents and purposes looks like a gun. I'm not justifying. Cop murders or anything like, but cop, we've seen people know. get
0: a people have been getting away with a lot worse sure. recently, you know. So the the cover up just seems bizarrely unnecessary. It's like did you see that video recently where a guy has somebody throws a water bottle at his car, and he just unloads his own gun through his own yeah. windshield?
1: Yeah, no charge. Yeah, like just pulls and then, and it out of his console, yeah. starts <laughs> yeah sh- shoots sure. like ten to twelve times through his own windshield. Yeah,
0: turns his car and the other car into Swiss cheese. Then he calls the cops. And then they inform him. Yeah, that guy just threw a bottle at you. No charges. That guy did not get any charges. So, again, I I ask, like, where's the cut? Why is the cover up necessary? Why do they have to stage a suicide and plant an Uzi and all this crazy shit? When I mean, I guess back then, ironically, back then, when there was no coverage of these events, you could film exactly the incident that we saw in that film and show it today in the news and those cops would get off.
1: The suicide too took me a little by surprise. Like I at first I thought he actually had done it because uh I is his uncle, I believe his uncle. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he had actually done it. And I'm like, "Okay, this is, you know, this was a I just call him Zebrahead from the movie. You ever see Zebrahead? Rappaport. Oh, Rapaport. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so when he he wanders over to the side of the bridge, I for a second because he was so worked up on thinking oh maybe i'm sure that was the intention you know the audience is intended to think he actually did kill him but it was just unusual the whole yeah like you said the whole cover-up all those scenes i did like how they tried to they failed they tried and failed to drown him in the in the swimming pool
0: yeah that was kind of funny i was sort of appalled by things that don't play very well today speaking of they really do sort of dehumanize any criminal of color in that movie the the fight on the roof they treat that the the black criminal like an actual monster who's fighting Mm -hmm. that's 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 some troubling uh portrayals of you know inner city crime and criminality as just actual monsters he's got he's got one eye and and a grill i don't know they just overdid it like they put every possible visual signifier of him as scary gang member into one character and and had this extended fight it was just bizarre
1: i did like speaking of people of color i did like the ems guy on the bridge at the beginning he he was great just sniffing (laughs) sniffing the whole thing out you know like like, fuck this (laughs) you guys i just watched you you know plant you know evidence at the scene of this crime and i thought that was pretty cool he just kind of didn't care he just yeah he's
0: great and if you've ever seen q a he has a great character in that where he plays uh um, what would now be considered a transgender character but he's drag queen in that in that world um he's hilarious he's got a lot of zingers um in that movie he's always got that kind of uh sarcastic kind of over it look to him and yeah. they have a great shot of him and then he's out of the movie where uh, he, after all that, he, they seems to have arrested him or they want to take a statement and he, they just show a glimpse of him in the police station and he's just laughing like, this is ridiculous.
1: <laughs> he just wants to go. Yeah, yeah he just he's wants like to
0: go. fucking ridiculous. So yeah, he was he was a great little moment.
1: Paul Calderon, Calderon, Calderon. Okay. Yeah, he's been a uh, Puerto-, Puerto Rican actor. In the King of New York,
0: he's a rival. Um, uh, Christopher Watkins, one of his rivals. Yeah, he's always good. He's one of those guys that you always get something good out of him.
1: Um, a lieutenant he was in bad lieutenant
0: i don't remember him that but that makes sense he's one yeah. of those guys that can effortlessly play cop or criminal or as we can see a paramedic but yeah the uh I, i'd like to talk about 310 to yuma before we, and then we'll go into the into the indiana jones but okay. um but yeah i had a, a memory of really liking it and only just liking it but acknowledging that that's probably his most fully realized vision um, it seemed to stand out to you too
1: you you really enjoyed this well I don't know if you remember this. We saw this at a pre-screening when you still lived in town in Pittsburgh. Oh, right. Your one of your friends. Uh, I don't want to misname the person. I think I'm. I think I know the name, but I don't want to misname the person. But one of your friends take a shot at bought it. some Roll tickets. It who who? Uh, I believe her name was Carolyn. I don't know her last name.
0: Oh, was it, I don't know how uh, she.
1: I, she was an acquaintance of yours. I'm assuming through school, but I don't Carolyn I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think. Uh, she went on to be the editor-in-chief of
1: the la times (laughs) oh that's awesome yeah um i think it was her she got some some pre-release tickets um and we we saw it um i think on the waterfront but uh yeah uh that and after we had seen it in the theaters i liked it then um i think i had watched it a few more times since then yeah, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. It looks, I remember, best.
0: I do remember us now seeing that because we talked about how much we liked the, his toady, the Ben Foster guy in the, in the little yeah. white, the white leather coat. He was, I don't know if you've seen hell or high water. He's great in that yeah. too. He does the same kind of thing where he he's t- twitchy and dangerous.
1: Um, he always plays that character. That's his yeah. character in half of his filmography.
0: He's always kind of twitchy and dangerous. He's a real dandy in that. In this one though, doing some, some choices and voices.
1: And they give him a wardrobe too. They give him like the, you know, the most fashionable yeah, young yeah. villain wardrobe that they could come up with.
0: And kind of a spoiler when he, he does what he's supposed to do. And Russell Crowe kind of kills him for it because he's grown to a, a, kind of a reverse Stockholm syndrome with, with Batman. It's like Ben Foster, when he kills, when he shoots up, what's his name? Um, I'm blanking on his name. All of a sudden uh, Christian Bale. Yeah. When he shoots him, Ben Foster does what he's supposed to do, which is, you know that's the guy. That's the enemy to him. And so when yeah, I Russell Crowe right. shoots him. That look on his face, like, really? Are you doing this? Are you shooting me?
1: I like that moment. I just wish there would have been another solution to that that problem yeah. of of the reverse Stockholm syndrome. It it, it was it was needed in the moment, but when you think about it, you're like, I don't. Would his character? Would Russell Crowe's character do that? I mean, it I know it he's seem, kind it of grown. Seem right. it,
0: it seemed like a mangled and kind of put himself in a corner with what could happen to still keep the audience happy
1: like the I mean, it's good it works but i just wish there would have been maybe a different solution a better solution to that problem yeah
0: it, it's i agree it off- is kind
1: of funny and abrupt that he just kind of lays waste to his entire remaining crew of
0: yeah who were just working villains. very hard to to rescue him
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: but if you want if you like ben foster have you ever seen the messenger
1: uh, i think i have once or two maybe once
0: the one that's the one where he delivers bad news to people who've lost a loved one to the military?
1: No, I don't believe I have.
0: Yeah, it's one of the uh, Oscilloscope movies, the Beastie Boys movie production (laughs) company. It's one of their movies. It's great. I think that's absolutely his best movie. He plays a sort of troubled, speed metal obsessed army guy who gets a job to go and inform people that their loved ones are dead. He just does a really good job of it. He's not, he plays it properly conflicted and also kind of gross he becomes obsessed with the wife of somebody who tells them that her, her husband's dead kind of stalks her but and has a relationship and it's like that's the most inappropriate relationship you can think of the guy who comes to tell you somebody's dead and then thinks so you're not dating anyone I mean, it just seems like a big a big red flag yeah. but well that kind of red-
1: ties back into copland too even though they're not you know not connected in any way like there's a scene in copland uh stallone goes up to whose house is it oh peter burke Stallone visits Peter Berg, a fellow cop, because he had a thing for his wife or rescued his wife or something happened in their past. And there is this real flirtatious scene. You're meant to not like Peter Berg's character. And I forget the following scene. There's There's a scene that occurs directly after where like Peter Berg's character is shown to be just despicable, so it's not like you don't leave the scene of Stallone and the wife thinking, oh, maybe Stallone's the bad, you know, maybe he's taking advantage of this woman. Right. And, and you, that, well, any kinda, fear you have of that, the very next scene is Peter Berg being an asshole.
0: Yeah, he's being a prick about it, and he's also cheating on he's Peter Berg is up wife. with Kaitel's wife. Yeah, so he's a, in two ways they show that he deserves it. The scene where Stallone is listening to. Bruce Springsteen, or she is Annabelle Scoria, or whatever is listening to Springsteen, and gingerly touching his face. You can tell that that is that is the big moment of he deserves somebody, and the rest of these people don't. That's why it's kind of abrupt when she he kind of, he puts aside his weird, borderline inappropriate flirting with her, and then just tells her this is what's going on in this town, and she's like, "Get out of here! You're just trying to hook up with me." Right. Like he should have said that when he was. But she
1: also kind of seemed to have got it. She she understood that right situation in town you know like and she almost kind of seemed a little surprised that he hadn't gotten yeah, she was it, annoyed <laughs> that
0: he was playing catch up
1: for sure right
0: but yeah but back to 310 to yuma i think is i think the the first half has that sinister cowboy vibe that gets a little holly more hollywood as it goes but there's some fascinating parts peter fonda uh exploding the
1: horse mm-hmm. oh,
0: that was oh that's funny.
1: right yeah he shoots the 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 opening there's an opening uh scene yeah you know, where they're trying to rob the uh money guys in a little coach yeah and he shoots the, the the guy's dynamite that is in his like you know his horse's oh. satchel on the side of the horse and it just yeah explodes the horse
0: yeah but yeah that's uh, there's just something about because it was a big stagecoach robbery and they're kind of flipping the tropes on it and there's also something about this is going to sound maybe this will sound exactly how i mean it but when you mistreat horses in a western i think it elevates the material
1: oh for sure yeah
0: because you it's yeah. unexpected
1: right um yeah, because i mean plus horses are you know, they're pets. They're they're kind of like burdened animals that yeah. When you mistreat them, yeah. It's we're yeah. already mistreating them by burdening them with our saddles and our
0: right. I should definitely mention my own Western at this point, which is kind of hinges on the hatred for horses by the characters. Mm-hmm. And you actually did the cover for the special edition of it. You you researched some some horse uh some horse anatomy, Gray's anatomy. Some- yeah.
1: I did. I'm not and, uh, the best illustrator, but I think we, we worked out something that looks, looks pretty neat.
0: Yeah. It's got a, the main character, the main horse in, in my book, pig iron, the horse has been shot through the head, but it doesn't die. So it, um, it's sort of a, I wouldn't, I don't want to say zombie horse cause that minimizes its journey, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, the mistreatment of horses, I think has a certain electricity to it. In these movies now, i'm not say i i have nothing against horses but i think i do have something for characters that have something against horses because it's so unexpected um
1: christian bale that's his thing isn't he, he has a farm with horses i think isn't he raising horses doesn't he sell the horses i forget exactly the context yeah. of his operation but it seems like horses were very important
0: yeah they were currency at least him. Um the the other mean thing I was going to mention was and and this is something that I've seen in a few westerns that's it's like the sinister cowboy move. I I think it was in I know it was in Missouri Breaks, uh and Bone Tomahawk has it where somebody slits somebody's throat while they're sleeping, which Hmm. seems like a particularly horrible way to go. But I don't know, maybe this was a common way to dispatch your enemies in the old west was when they fall asleep um, uh next to the campfire with their harmonica, you slit their throat. Except here, he stabs the shit out of him with that particularly wicked fork. If you remember,
1: yeah, he steals the fork from the dinner.
0: Yeah, yeah, the guy was like, "I'll hang you in the morning."
1: <laughs> yeah, all the characters had such good faces. I mean, everybody. Yeah, that everybody, like you said, Peter Fonda was great
0: when he's sleeping. That guy is the uh, that big meaty faced guy. He's Cronenberg kind of added him to his troop for his. His weird, icy, uh kind of capitalistic thrillers there for a while when he did Cosmopolis or whatever and uh, uh maps of the stars. That weird-faced guy is in those, the guy he stabs in the throat. But I don't know if you're you ever see Missouri Breaks?
1: Not Missouri Breaks, no. No.
0: With uh Jack Nicholson and famously Marlon Brando is the villain, the bounty hunter who's trying to kill Jack Nicholson. And this was the beginning of Marlon Brando showing up crazy where he's he decides he's gonna be sort of, sort of a cross-dressing cowboy. He he plays it very he he sort of like glides through the movie and you're waiting for the big Marlon Brando moment and then he falls asleep next to his campfire and jack nicholson cuts his throat while he's sleeping and I, the, the famous scene is marlon brando's waking up and nicholson's sitting over and goes um you're probably wondering why you just woke up and that's because i slit your throat or something like that and you just think god that's terrible that is a terrible way to wake up bone tomahawk does it you've seen bone that's a good tomahawk. oh i have yes I yeah, am, at the beginning that of that doesn't uh what's his name from scream the, uh dewey from scream is cutting guys throats while they're yeah. sleeping yeah 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 is, is that is that a move is that is that a patented cowboy move? Because it's terrible.
1: Yeah, I like to, I mean, I'm trying to think of some of the other crew that was with them. You had Peter Fonda's character. You had Alan Tudyk, which was the doc, the doctor, the veterinarian doctor. He was pretty good. Kevin Durand.
0: Did those guys, did he bring any of this crew? I think you researched this more than I did. Did you? Do, did he bring any of that crew with him to, to his uh, Indiana uh, Jones movie?
1: Not that I think, no. So he looking at the cast list i didn't realize. i didn't see anybody that was probably I think more of a studio thing though Disney yeah. probably that
0: cat? i think visually 310 to yuma is probably the bridge to indiana jones and the dial of destiny i think that those we're going to use that as our bridge to start talking about it too but that's, that's definitely fun, that the works bridge. 310 to yuma looks kind of like an, a dusty indiana jones thing Yeah, um, maybe it's more all yellow than, yeah that's it's got that that oatmeal color we i want to start off with your ranking of the the indiana jones movie oh that's good. I have that ranking. I all have right, that ranking I ranking ready let, for you. Let's hear. Now we we are in a very privileged position where we just watched them all, yes, every sure. single one of them. So this is the definitive list. What is your ranking?
1: Okay. So like most things, yeah, the age when we're watching these movies probably burns it into your psyche a little different. Definitely, if you're older or younger. So my list, I'm assuming, is going to be a little different than yours. But my number one is Raiders. Obviously. My number two is actually Last Crusade. Um, we'll get to the the reasons why, but uh third Temple of Doom, Isle of Destiny, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull.
0: Okay. So my list is a little different. This is probably gonna be unpopular with you, or anybody. Okay. Temple of Doom number one. <laughs> no way. I, <laughs> I think I may have i definitely saw that second. I saw it raiders of the lost ark in the theater Uh, we're on vacation in south carolina and it was raining and my dad took us to go see it and we were like god damn that was great and nothing has ever topped it so i've got raiders of the lost ark not just because of the unique viewing experience because i think it's just heads and tails above the rest for sure then i've got three empty slots then i would put crystal skull there i guess and only because i get i was interested in the story you know was it I, I don't know. I was interested in the head of the, the alien and the area 51 shit. And then after that last crusade and I'd probably maybe on a better day, flip them. There's stuff about last crusade. I find so corny that I don't like oh, it. okay. but I do appreciate a lot of it. Whereas crystal skull is bad, but it's ambitiously bad. And last crusade felt lazily good. If that makes any sense. Okay. Then I've got like five, five more empty slots. And then I got
1: template derp at the bottom. I hate that movie. <laughs> Really? See, I thought you were a Temple of Doom fan. For some nah, reason, I, I thought that was one of your yes. favorites. I can't stand it. I remembered hating
0: it. I remember being annoyed by it. And then I, we we all we rewatched it over here, and I just talked shit on it the whole time. Everything about funny. It, it, it definitely does not hold up in any way, I don't think. And I do understand that a lot of people saw that first or have nostalgic feelings about it. Right. But I think it's just atrocious.
1: Well, that's good because I, I was going to bring some heat for Temple of Dune, but I was worried that it was going to be one of your favorites. So I no, I pulled back a little bit. I mean, when you look at Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's just maybe it's in the same
0: way that the original Highlander holds up. Like they were forced to go outside, like the original Highlander and Raiders of the Lost Ark. They're forced to go outside. So it has this organically more gritty, real look to it. For sure. So the Nazis feel real. The threat level feels real. Even the side characters. Um, What's his name? Sala. Sala. Yeah. and even and marcus isn't such a buffoon like he is in last crusade last crusade yeah. yeah they have some weight to him like marcus is a total idiot in last crusade but in raises the lost ark when he's like um leveled by the power of god like when he's telling those those feds about the about the power of the ark or whatever all that shit works really well like he has a good voice for it and it's he's kind of threatening and then in last crusade he's just kind of bumbling around like like uh, Mr. Magoo. It's just so yeah. dumb. and the and the teacher action in this if that makes sense. And the Raiders of the Lost Ark has a lot of good teacher action. Like what Da Vinci Code wanted to be, which is this guy's he's using his knowledge to and the, and the, again this is kind of what I liked about some of Last Crusade is going into libraries and kind of fucking shit up in libraries. Right. It has a it has an academic weight to it. And then Temple of Doom is just He's on the dumbest adventure at the beginning, which makes no sense as a character. Somebody has told me recently, well, that's a prequel that he hasn't experienced. But he's he's learning the same lesson that he learns in all of them, which is believe the shit. It's, it's like, can somebody please tell him that the shit's real again? Because he starts off cynical and then he believes the shit and then he goes on to his next adventure. But for no reason you have to. He gets like he's on an adventure in Temple of Doom and he gets sidelined in this village for no good reason. And they have to make up this kind of like, well, you know, Jobu brought you here. That's we're here to save us. Like they, they prophesied him falling out of that plane. I, I don't know. Anyway.
1: Yeah. Watching the whole Indiana Jones Quintology, whatever all five films. The first three, I, I didn't do a lot of research, obviously, but the the look of the first three, the cinematographer Douglas Slacombe. Slokom, I forget how it's pronounced. His work, I guess that was some of the last films he did in his life. He retired shortly after uh-huh. Last Crusade, I think. And they look so real versus like Spielberg's other cinematography. Once he switched over to what's his name? Janusz? Yanushki. Right, yeah. All that stuff just has such a bad look to it it's all like this soft glowy yeah he puts that i I don't like it
0: he gives it like this glowy haze which i think that worked in minority report it gave it kind of a sci-fi noir glaze but whatever it is it reminds me of hook where stuff gets kind of drowned out by this blast of light there's no real sky you know but i think like
1: spielberg's early stuff all looked great and I think other than these three Indiana Jones movies that use the same cinematographer, he just kind of hopped around from whoever he was using yeah. at the time or whoever was given to him by the studio at the time.
0: Ra- Raiders of the Lost Ark so
1: much better. Um,
0: well, the, I think the b- the other issue is um, Raiders of the Lost Ark does have some, some pro- probably some problematic depictions of. Oh, for sure. The, the tribes and stuff, the, yeah, but, yeah. That, but that's nothing compared to the locals and of doom or treated like slobbering maniacs at a skexy's dinner Oh,
1: that's the worst yeah that's really bad
0: and and they're also everybody's so cowardly you know i don't know that everything about that just turns me off and the this is kind of a minor point but all the snakes and bugs in temple of doom are squeaking and squawking
1: and making noises it's like the yeah no- I, that was one of the notes i had about snakes and bugs and stuff i mean i i it's funny i get the fear indiana jones has for snakes i think it's funny though that jock i think that's the pilot's name in raiders of the lost ark when he boards the plane after he's chased out of that temple yeah he hops in the hops in the plane jock tells him it's his pet snake uh, I, like i want to think that he just found the snake like a child and just decided to make it his pet my pet snake reggie that's funny but every callback to the snake is just so tired. I don't. Right. Plus, all, like you said, all the bugs, everything se- feels so fake. I don't have the fear of insects that a lot of people have. I know it's a perfectly rational fear. Well, he
0: seems but, he's fearless when it comes to insects. And then later in the other movies, he's suddenly scared of him again.
1: That Yeah, that's what I was going to get to. Like, well, I don't br- understand. He br-
0: where he brushes the tarantulas off that guy. And then later he's scared to death of him. I don't Alfred Molina. Like, yeah. Uh, well, here's a question I have for you. Um, okay. Uh, I do, if we get time to go back to talk about the weird sound effects, like there's a lot of swords in Temple of Doom. They go shink. And when they yeah. just move through the air, they're not touching anything. That Temple of Doom has a ton of that stuff. But the question I have for you is there's a lot of people really, really hate the female lead. Oh, they really, yes. they really hate Bi- Billy. Is that her name? Billy?
1: Yep. Billy Kate Capshaw's character. I'm, yeah, I, I don't want
0: to defend Billy, but I wonder how much of that is her fault. Well, she's that's probably the character she's, she was written. Yeah. She's annoying. But her lines as written are pretty bad. I think that she's doing the maybe the best she can with that fast-talking dame thing. But to, I think that they must be just telling her, here you're going to whimper a lot. Here you're going to whine. Should people be so down on her about that portrayal? I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, even between the first three, I like this kind of each film has a relationship that is explored with Indiana Jones. The first one is Marion previous love interest, I would have preferred Willie Scott to be completely excised from oh, Temple Li- of Duna. Oh,
0: Willie. I was calling her Billy.
1: Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, Willie. I would have preferred her to be completely excised. I know that's not the film we got, but, and then in the third one, you have him and his dad, which that could have been explored.
0: Yeah. There does seem to be a father son thing going on there. And and then later that's really ramped up the, his loss of a, of his son. And like, he's adopting some street urchin, uh, that is a, that is a better story than him romancing Willie.
1: Um. I just like to like this. I don't know. You get like a taste. Each film, you have a taste of what character he's having a relationship with. You know, yeah. be it a a former love he has scorned, a child, and then his father. I don't. I like this where you get a taste. It kind of fleshes out Indiana Jones as a character a little bit more. But then you bring in Willie Scott, and she is no Marion marion and indy's relationship is so charming even. oh yeah so it's great toxic it's There's, horrible it's de- toxic relationship it's, uh,
0: definitely toxic but there is something to it and they have but a they
1: chemistry. have chemistry absolutely and then willie scott is just shrill and just i i yeah
0: somebody was talking about that recently about who had the biggest or the best chemistry and they were talking about uh, Laura Dern and Nicolas Cage and Wild at Heart, and I brought up uh, Minnie Driver and John Cusack and Gross Point Blank, and I would I would put Harrison Ford and um, oh shit I forgot her name Karen Allen of course from Animal House big chemistry between the two of them um, yeah
1: one thing uh, one thing I made a note of too rewatching these films the relationship between Indiana Jones and Marion it made me realize that Harrison Ford had some of the weirdest most uncomfortable lead relationships in film <laughs> in the 80s. Oh yeah. So you have Rachel and Deckard mm-hmm. in Blade Runner. You have Marion Ravenwood. He's got these weird like borderline sexual assault sort of relationships. <laughs> it. it was just so odd.
0: We should rank have a ranking of Harrison Ford's inappropriate rela-
1: Star Star Wars. Star Wars. That was the other one I was remembering. Yes. Yeah, then you have Leia and, and Han just that sort of, bu- of bullying her and right, right. sexually harassing her at work. <laughs> a little negging, a little bullying. Yeah. Um,
0: I bet there's more. Well, let's Harrison Ford filmography. Let's rank his inappropriate relationships.
1: It just struck me as, I don't know. If oh my God. He's got,
0: to... he's got too many movies, but I would say that he, Star Wars for sure. American Graffiti, I don't remember him having any relationships. Blade Runner is the big red flag. Oh my God. Witness, dude. In Witness, okay. he, I'm just going to let you experience Witness for yourself, but he seems to bully this Amish woman into um, into a relationship and some very, uh, threatening might be too strong of a word, but there is a power differential that's used kind of haphazardly that I think uh, would look weird through today's lens. Hmm. I'll have he to looked, look that was, one up.
1: I don't know that I've ever seen the
0: Witness. Witness is, it's uh, Peter Weir, the guy who did... Um, all okay. those trippy Australian movies. Yeah, it's, yeah. And it's yeah, got yeah. some some of his his weirdness to it. It's it's interesting to see the Australian director treat the Amish as the aliens that they are. Mm-hmm. So it's different. Mosquito Coast, he's just insane. Working Girl, there's certainly some exploitation going with his Melanie Griffith uh, relationship. But that one pr- probably comes across as just sort of benignly gross. Uh, I think that's, after that, he kind of, then he starts playing villains, you know, like in What Lies Beneath in K 19. So,
1: or the president, or just dads. He or just or d- playing dads, dads are
0: villains. So, there's none of that. It's all, yeah, it's all 80s and 70s, 80s and 90s. Harrison Ford just sort of pressuring people to in a weird way.
1: Maybe. Yeah. Cause it's, it's kind of explained a little bit in Raiders of the Lost Ark, but you get the impression that Marion was underage. Mm-hmm. he was not and then you know like you're not quite clear what happened she might have been just led on or something more physical happened it's just really weird and regardless his, dis- aside his though, dismissal
0: they- of it is also alarming he says you knew what you were doing but
1: regardless they have from good real,
0: chemistry some real victim blaming from from old from old indie um but yeah as far as uh to, to put a pin in the in the uh, temple of derp conversation that i think only the bridge scene is up to the level of Raiders of the lost ark when he's getting ready to cut this you know he's standing in the middle of the bridge with the with the machete
1: yeah
0: that sequence i think is up there
1: but that's well, um, because it was out shot outside
0: yeah they got outside for a day <laughs> right but yeah right. the um the heart ripping scene which was fa- and as a kid i remember being fascinated by that but
1: uh, why do the heart rip any it's just such a weird choice well, one thing I noticed too, with that choice is they set it up with some character, some unnamed character. They rip his heart out. They lower him into the lava. The heart burns. When they do it again later on to Marriott or to uh, Willie Scott, obviously you're not going to, ha- how do you resolve that? How do you, how do you rip the heart out of your lead actor? Yeah. They just don't, lead actor, they just don't do then, it. And <laughs> then, and lower her into the lava. How, like you just kind of painted yourself into a corner there. Like why, why do that? Why yeah,
0: that's why do it is the, the question that I, I think I just wrote in my notes, why <laughs> there's no yeah. reason for it. Plus they, they chose purposely, they chose a quote child who's obviously much older. Yeah. And it only makes sense that for the, the for the gruesome plot, they're sacrificing children, right? Because they want the older kids to work the mines. But it's in it's in reverse where they when a kid gets old enough to actually be effective to work in a mine they're killed and they're they only keep tiny children to work in them it makes no sense like to justify not having a child a little little kid getting their heart ripped out they have this plan that makes no sense for the villains and why why is he then like you said they establish the rules of how he can do it and then they just throw him out the window later he's able to just do it he doesn't need the magic drink yeah. that that yeah. made it possible he's just got heart-ripping powers or if he touches you you're in trouble um it's done but like i said the the it's the same conclusion where at the end he learns to believe in magic again which you think that they wouldn't need to but if that's again if it's supposed to be a prequel it's, it makes even less sense so he already learned magic was real in his adventures in temple of doom so when he gets to raiders of the lost ark why is he saying stuff like uh, act of god mumbo jumbo
1: see i never understood I mean, I'm sure there was some like behind the scenes production reason why it was a key, uh, a prequel, it, it, but it's not necessary. It's, it's if you're worried about the, the presence of Nazis, because Raiders of the Lost Ark obviously has Nazis in it. And there's that kind of cast a shadow over him as a character. If you're making sequels, how do you deal with with Nazis? But it, well, that's, it's not required. I mean, he's he's in a he's in a different country. You know, he's in a different situation. Right. It's I, it,
0: but no, your, your Nazi point. It's well taken because uh, that leads us to Last Crusade, where the Nazi. I think the the frequency of the Nazis as his his arch villains reduces them to clowns. I think they only should have used them once, like you said. There's no there's a big world out there, but to make them his his arch nemesis is doesn't. I don't think it's as interesting as I like the idea that, and we'll get to this in in uh Dial of Destiny that his his arch nemesis is is an, always another academic. That's what it should be. That was the best way to do it in Raiders of the Lost Ark with Bollock, ba- or what was his okay. name? Bollocky. Like that was great. And the fact that there's another one in Dial of Destiny, an academic who has attached himself to the Nazis in a you know parasitic way. Those make those are the best foils. But Last Crusade, where they're reduced to just being goofballs in that movie. Marcus is a non-functioning dolt. I, I guess I liked it more this time around, but because I remember being really disappointed with it when I saw it. Even as a kid, I thought it was kind of corny. I don't know. It's it's like, it feels like Spielberg's Schindler's List was like atonement for treating them as fun villains in Last Crusade, because they are goofy clowns in this movie in a way that they're not in the other.
1: One. Yeah. I've been on this video essay kick lately, and I recently saw, I believe her name was Lindsay Ellis. She has a good YouTube video essay on how to make Nazis, how to demasculinize Nazis. It was, it's pretty good. I'll have to afford it to you. Yeah, I'll you put look we'll link out. to it. Let me see if I can find the title. Okay. Real quick. She no longer YouTubes. I think she kind of got out of the game, but she had a run of some really good video essays. And yeah, she has all ones just on how to treat Nazi in film. Kind of focuses a lot on the work of Mel Brooks scrolling through her page
0: okay so what you're saying is if i follow you're you saying that they make a case for treating them like clowns can destabilize their power
1: yeah i i I can't make the argument as well as she can but yeah i think a lot of people will say that that's that is the the way to okay tire to nazi but i but i i can agree that last crusade might take it you know in a step in the wrong direction
0: I'm almost convinced by the argument. Has me convinced. If in a better movie, I get it. Joe was it Jojo Rabbit? What was that movie?
1: Yep, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah,
0: I thought that that did that. That the the criticisms it took as like Hitler as his imaginary friend. I thought it it destabilized the Nazi in an interesting way, where it made them it kind of opened them up for some savage ridicule.
1: Yeah,
0: I thought that, that that worked better maybe than having them in this
1: as Keystone Cops. You know yeah. um, uh the essay the video essay it's on youtube it is called mel brooks the producers and the ethics of satire against nazis okay by lindsay ellis it's uh six years old now she's kind of the lindsay ellis is maybe a little bit de- divisive herself some people like her some people hate her but it's a good it's a good 40 minute viewing yeah. if you want to want to really sure i know you love about
0: the, you love the long form youtube content um, yeah it's it's,
1: <laughs> it's a problem but uh yeah if, she can make a better argument than I can. I, I don't want to paraphrase it.
0: And- yeah, no, I'm going to include that. Uh, that's a good counterpoint to um, how should should Nazis be portrayed. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's supposed to be a fun movie. So the choice to have him in the fun movie is weird anyway. But if it's really savage, like Jojo Rabbit, I get it. But in your fun, swashbuckling movie, I don't know. But yeah, what did you think he- of the choice to have him last crusade seems to have him. It seems to have him gain every part of his myth and personality and like the river Phoenix flashback. He, yeah. you know, he, he gets the cut on his, he've right down to the scar on his, on Harrison Ford's chin, not Indiana right. Jones's chin, but the whip that the didn't hat, seem necessary. The hat and the whip and the coat. Like, did you really need to establish all of his characteristics on one day, one fateful day for river he falls into a,
1: a train car full of snake?
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a, if it was a parody of how does somebody become who they are, the fact that it all happened not just in one day, within an hour, everything you know about this character is is established in this one sequence. Um, as a parody of that is kind of funny, but
1: yeah, I that happens so quickly, that come and goes so quickly that even when you watch it, it for me, I can just kind of take a sip of a drink while that's going on, and
0: nothing is more annoying than River Phoenix's hair
1: in that sequence. the The early '90s, like. Floppy, floppy yeah time. see
0: you and amy both are now telling me this i'd miss that phase where she says it is a very famous heartthrob haircut
1: i don't remember i that. had a haircut like that once <laughs> believe it or not
0: <laughs> so that is i think okay. it might have
1: lasted longer than it should have on my head as
0: well it just looks so, so right? not just if you're on adventures it looks like it's impractical day like to day as
1: a bald man though any hair at this stage would be impractical. I just,
0: <laughs> but he's constantly trying to get it out of his face. It's just, it's strange. It, it really dates the movie, I guess. Um, it confused me, but it, for her, she said, "No, that really pinpoints a time when that hair made sense." Um,
1: but I thought, see, I see. I I went into this thinking because you're a, you're a fan of like the buddy cop genre, absolutely. And this is written by you know Lethal Weapon. You know he has like buddy comedy. Jeffrey Bohm. What did this guy write? Uh, Interspace, Space, um, Lethal Weapon One, Two, Three, Funny Farm. Not that that's necessarily a buddy comedy, but it is comedy. You know, so he i, I don't know, if, but he definitely has that history. You know, yeah, in his it makes writing.
0: sense. The banter between the two of them is probably the high point between uh, Sean Connery and Harrison Ford. Their banter is is very def- very buddy cop
1: yeah, I, I there were some moments I'm not too too proud to say I, I actually laughed.
0: Yeah, I, I like la- I like the stern look he gives him when he kills a bunch of people.
1: <laughs> you know, look what you've done, or something. I forget what he, exactly how he phrased yeah. it.
0: Yeah, I can't believe what you did. Yeah, yeah, that shit was funny. Um, the the holy grail aspect also, it, it it feels like a closer to the series, a natural closer because like the opening showing everything established in in that moment for the character and then. The fact that they're looking for the holy grail when they when they say it i almost do a double take it's like okay which which is what what's your holy grail and it's like no my holy grail is the holy grail literally the Holy. Grail. that just seems like commentary on looking for something like that should be the closer um and then of course it wouldn't be an indiana jones movie if he doesn't learn to believe again like the this one's very very specific about it's very clear that he needs to learn to believe and you shouldn't have to convince him of that. he's seen so much shit at this point. He should have no trouble believing. And then, which seems like a reversal, he didn't have to believe that there is a ghost, but he has to when he makes the leap of faith, he has to believe that someone else believed it because it's fake. The leap of faith is a is a ledge that you just can't see. you have to you have to um pretend
1: to believe it. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? No, it does. yeah and it's it's funny. Could we mention this, the the prequel? Thing too, like just like does does he mention this in his class? You know, does he talk about how important it is to believe that you know if you open an ark, there yeah, is his, a chance. His, his yeah, his class. There is a chance that some ghosts will fly out and kill you. So just <laughs> yeah, keep, keep an open hard. mind.
0: <laughs> For sure, I, I guess it would make sense if if the the last crusade convinced him that if you have to, the, he convinced me that I had to take a leap of faith and believe in the supernatural. And then it turns out the bridge was just always there. And that was a trick that maybe that's why in the next movie he has to learn all over again, whether shit's real or not. He has to, again, learn to believe that there's something supernatural. He also
1: which, needs to learn to let it go. Let it go, Junior, let it go. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. But that's why the crystal skull, we'll, we'll move on to the crystal skull.
1: Real quick, since we're, this kind of maybe might oh, yeah, a yeah. good bridge. We'll this might be a good bridge but for that as well too. Is because,
0: this a leap, of, a leap of faith, a leap of faith bridge? Yes, it is.
1: Since, you know, the first three were 90, or 81 to 89, you're stuck in a time period as far as the production, what you, can, what you can do with these films, how you can write the endings, how big things can get. But then once they break, like move into this new era of CG effects, the, the endings of these films just get too big. Yeah. I mean, they just get way too big. It's almost... I, I like the the original trilogy of Indiana Jones. There's almost this like plausible deniability whether or not these events are occurring because there's so few people witnessing them. Right. You know, maybe, you know, it may vary between 10 to 20 people, 30 people might be witnessing these events, but they're small. You could deny that they occur. The arc lid closes, the cup falls into a crevasse and is never seen again. You know, these things just come and go as far as like supernatural events Right. But then crystal skull and dial of destiny which we'll get to the endings just get way too big and they just don't work for me
0: yeah they there's there's portals and shit portals start showing up
1: um, and i'm okay i'm like as far as like crystal skull like i'd be okay with that setup i don't mind including aliens into mythology of indiana jones i like ancient alien g i'm not a believer but you know it's a new flavor it's something else to explore
0: yeah my biggest problem is that i hate Eight, that they made him a war hero yeah i i thought he was an intellectual draft dodging grave robber and then to say he's a war hero it's like fuck off like do you need? Well, think, you don't need to do it it's it's a it's hilarious that the teacher happens to have these skills developed from stealing
1: shit. i'm not sure if it's in any of the original three in the first three but there is hints that he did serve as a young man in world war one um it might even be mentioned in a single line oh, over
0: it's th- probably a rich history of young indiana jones chronicles where he's serving overseas
1: who knows True. but i just the novelization that. out there somewhere
0: but i do think credit where credit is due the idea that a crystal skull is an actual skull is i think very clever
1: yeah well they they kind of touch on that too it, it's kind of uh, but when he's talking to Shia LaBeouf's character, there's a, a moment near the beginning when they first meet, he, they're kind of, there's a little exposition about crystal skulls generally. And Indiana Jones says something like, yeah, we've, you know, I found a couple, I've in, kind of investigated them. They're skillfully crafted, but they're, they're not real. They're not because obviously we know that there are crystal skulls in the, in the real world that people have crafted yeah. And, you know, kind of I liked I liked that inclusion in in the movie. And then, yeah, that's revealed that there is a, a real crystal skull. It's a that's real a, skull. Yeah, that's
0: clever. That is a clever. The idea that something has a crystal skeleton is and that we've missed that we could have mistaken that for artwork is fascinating. Um, yeah. But then for the fourth time, he doesn't believe he doesn't believe in the voodoo hocus pocus saucer men from Mars shit. Even when he's got like a Roswell corpse right next to him. He still says something like he doesn't believe in it. Yeah. Even after the shitty scene in the other movies, even after there's an alien corpse that he he seems to have some knowledge of when they are when, when, new-
1: when he is called in and he's debriefed after this like comic explosion scene. He's debriefed with military guys and he mentions that it basically retells the Roswell incident to yeah. these military guys and says that he witnessed you know he was called out to investigate or to identify something he's not clear but yeah so they include this weird roswell tie-in yeah that he witnessed and then they connect it apparently connect it somehow to these other crystal skull aliens it's not
0: yeah they've taken the head out of the ma- there's a magnetic alien corpse in that lost ark warehouse <laughs> leads them there but yeah there's well, i think those are
1: supposed to be unrelated related unrelated in that oh that's so there are aliens and interdimensional creatures well yeah well i think they're both supposed to be interdimensional but i think because oh. uh, what's her name um the villainous she even says something kate the, what's kate her Cap- name? Oh, not kate uh kate blanchett's character yeah yeah says something like di- like distant cousins like some offhand remark like oh. these aren't skulls you're looking for these are some other alien
0: that's fine. i think
1: that it, it's weird that they even included these two alien stories <laughs>
0: they have a real they a real missed opportunity that with um, there's some really the probably the dumbest scene the scenes that really irritate everybody is when they get out into the jungle and it gets real wacky and the monkeys and the ants are helping them <laughs> like the there's some sort of vine formated, swinging yeah there's vine swinging and coordinated uh, efforts to help them from red ants and monkeys and even the trees seem to be helping them
1: Well, like, even the cartoon like tree chopping. Behavior.
0: yeah so you why know, not like this have...
1: cartoonish saw for sure vehicle
0: you should think that they would just do like fulci's the beyond have the skull create uh controlling the wildlife it's like a no-brainer like why doesn't the skull have the skull actually make the monkeys and ants and trees help them would would it wouldn't be it would still be silly but it wouldn't be as silly as just this is what happens when you're really lucky amy and i were talking about what are indiana jones's superpowers and it seems to be <laughs> massive luck He's very... especially
1: when Karen Allen is is nearby yeah. the stuff with her in crystal skull going off of three crashing into trees and it's just too it, it kind of it it crosses over into yeah it's like the,
0: it's like when they're dodging the brontosaurus legs and in, in king, kong. king kong they just have like you just all you got to do is color in the legs where they're not standing you know what i mean like they're not really dodging anything in this, they just accidentally survive everything. And I think that that, that as his superpower, is kind of hilarious. That, I mean, I guess he does have the whip, but he's just very lucky. He's like that domino character in the X Men. He just happens to be where he needs to be. Well,
1: I but, mean, even from the opening, I, maybe it's not the, quite the opening, but the whole him surviving the nuclear explosion, you know, right. riding it out in a, in a fridge. Like there's even a, a rocket sled in that amongst that that scene you know that could have been his way out he could have escaped through a rocket sled you know somehow i know that that's become
0: it's become a famous jumping the shark moment for nuke in the fridge nuke in the fridge but honestly there's sillier shit in these movies than that i it's tough to they filmed it in a way where it did make sense but the idea that he would hide in a lead line fridge and might survive it if it wouldn't just if it wouldn't have blown him five miles away right
1: right
0: if he just would yeah, have it. His him, body. yeah and they show him getting the silkwood shower that shit that actually kind of makes sense or it's it's just silly enough where i'd buy it the fact that he that it threw him so far like that would certainly kill him so why it's vaporizing the equivalent of a fridge so why isn't the fridge being vaporized so just have it where he's just far enough away where that and that's probably how it was written is he survives it by hiding in a lead fridge not he survives it by hiding in it and also everything is turned to dust except this fridge that's where it fucks up
1: he was tossed a mile away
0: yeah that doesn't that makes no sense but my other question is so there's all these booby traps that like darts and shit Mm. yeah and so are the aliens just or the interdimensional beast beings are they imitating our sadistic tendency to make cruel booby traps or are they like OG tricksters like Mars Attacks where they're just make they're like, yeah, we we always make booby traps. Like, why do they have
1: see, I, those booby traps? I've seen Crystal Skull a handful of times and I rewatched it recently and it conveys information re- very poorly. Like, because apparently these interdimensional beings arrived on earth somehow, set up shot, made human friends, used human labor to craft, I'm assuming some of these structures. You know, they didn't build them, I believe themselves. A lot of this stuff is human built, but all that stuff is just kind of hand waved away. You don't really know about it. You don't learn about it properly. yeah. and then and then something happened with the creatures themselves. They were stuck in some stasis form for some reason, which're not not really clear why. And um, so we I don't, don't know, as far as the traps, you know, those were probably human built maybe to protect the value of these crystal beings. I'm like, okay. Sure. Yeah, but not it sure, was
0: hard, but it seemed to be that whole area is just a big UFO. So their whole, their UFO seems to be full of traps and, you know, weird stairways that fall away and the sand, the sand, sand pits, and yeah. all that crazy shit. It's like, why would these aliens
1: do that? But, well, I think too, I, especially with Crystal Skull, because they went, they go a little too big. All of it feels like, like a Universal Studios ride. Yeah. You know, they're on these giant collapsing folding Rock structures, sand is flowing here right. and there, you know, they're in a water tunnel that's going up. And it's it all feels like some sort of Indiana Jones adventure at, at well, Universal Studios.
0: Absolutely. And to to springboard off that, the the biggest of they save the biggest for last, where he's he's traveling through time. Yeah. They've got it's as big as you can get. And for a minute, it kind of looks like an a mission impossible when they're zipping around the streets a dial of destiny. I, I did Did I put it, I didn't put it last. I put it third to, I think I, in my, in my ranking, I put it above. Um, what did you think
1: of it? As far as I know you had it pretty low. Uh, I had it fourth from the last. The only thing that I had worse, I didn't like as much was crystal skull. I did like the chase, but the chase was one of the every few minutes or every few moments in completely out of it because they're, On location chase shots where it'll be like a behind the action, you know. Right. Well, they it was shot, and then it'll it'll move to a close up of the actual actors, not stunt performers. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and they were zipping around. It was like it also felt like one of those what do they call them now? Requels, soft reboots, or whatever. So, so for this, you get I was calling him Pubert instead of Short Round, the little kid with the mustache. You got pubert from Adam's family. Instead of short round, you've got a tuck mm-hmm. tuck tuck chase instead of the rickshaw chase. Yeah. And you've got the whole last crusade plot, which is you have a dad, somebody's dad upset. their one thing they were obsessed with and their notes are going to lead you to this, this thing. You've got the bug scene from temple of dune redone, but now he's afraid of bugs.
1: And they're um, just cartoon bugs. They're not yeah, real prop it, bugs.
0: And then they've got these, the, I guess the e- eels be the stand in for the snakes being eels was kind of clever but the fact that the eels go ape shit like piranhas was pretty goofy but yeah Yeah, it's it's kind of like a soft reboot kind of deal going on and they and they even have like the it's not quite the river phoenix sequence but what did you think of his de-aging at first i will say it is the best de-aged effect i've ever seen for a second then he starts then he starts to move around when they first showed him i said to amy oh my god they they fixed it they got it right it looks like a young harrison ford and then he started to move around and- yeah,
1: as soon as he starts to talk, and they because it seemed like they used some combination of like um, they they probably recorded dialogue with Harrison Ford. They tried to de-age the audio somehow, feed it through through some sort of you know yeah. algorithm filter that tried to de-age that. that well, I think what quite- they
0: what they do is they put Harrison Ford. He's tied to a table, and they have <laughs> and they stick like electrodes on his balls, right, and right. they put all these. All these attachments and and blood bags and they, and they squeeze just kind of like the princess bride. They squeeze the life back into him to where he seemed vibrant and young for a second.
1: Well, yeah, the the image, the image of a digital de-aged is like you said, the best that they've ever done. Not that it's great. Not that it's perfect. It is the best they've done so far. Right. But But yeah, as soon as he starts to open his mouth or turn his head. Yes. (laughs) From left to right. Yeah. Anything. At the neck, there's like this <laughs> joint because I'm sure there was a stand-in actor that they used, and they just put this CG yeah, head. Yeah, something on top goes terribly wrong.
0: So they, at they the threw... neck, it's
1: always weird. It always never connects properly to the yeah. To the ball. They
0: they threw they threw all their billions their billions of dollars at that initial like whipping off of the hood moment. Yeah, because you're the like trailer oh, shot. Shit. That was in yeah. the
1: trailer. That's the trailer shot.
0: Oh, they do show that in the trailer. Had the young. I believe dude? so.
1: I believe so. Oh
0: yeah. shit. Well, they might as well. That's where they spent yeah. the money because it gets worse by the second. And I, I said to Amy, as we're watching it, I was like, I swear, his head is shrinking. But moment yeah. to moment, his head was getting smaller and smaller, like like the Beetlejuice witch doctor had sprinkled him with some dust. So by well, the time even, the, big, the big opening sequence is done, his head is like the size of a lemon.
1: Well, there's even a moment in that, too, where he's hanging. He's got a noose around <laughs> his neck and he's hanging. And the noose, I, it looked like the, the rope itself was CG. And then yeah. this cartoon head, cartoon noose. <laughs> his like tiny head. Yes. Tiny head is like sliding all over the, the screen in the frame. Just, just this kind of undulating little around, little yeah. lemon head. At least they had they knew enough to shoot it or to to have the scene occur in relative darkness. You know, it's at night, dimly lit rooms.
0: But I will say that um, making fun of his super his luck superpowers and his his superpowers seem to be luck and punching, but also the whip. Th- this probably has one of my favorite whip moments in it where he just whips the shit out of a whole table full of people
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: He just like right in their fucking face and shoulders. He just takes out the whip and just whips the shit out of this big assembled room of, of villainy.
1: You're talking yeah. about that auction. There's an
0: yeah, auction. Yeah, that was here. fucking hilarious. I, I don't know why that that just tickled me so much, but I thought that was a a, a laugh out loud moment.
1: That was good. It, it's just a shame though, then the scene ends with what would obviously happen is everyone pulls their guns. They yeah, I took to that shoot as, him and they're across like a six foot room and none of them can seem to hit him. There's 30 right. guys against one Indian. The whole setup, you know, I, I did like the whipping, just a close range whipping, but then the in, inevitable occurs. and it's. Just,
0: I took that, I didn't mind it as much because I took it as a, as a reversal of the famous bringing the sword to the gunfight scene. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. he brought his whip to a gunfight. Normally the, the complaint is here. Why is, how is this tiny woman kicking everybody's ass? So they bring in um uh Fleabag. You ever watch Fleabag?
1: Uh, I haven't, but I'm, for, I'm familiar with the actress Freebr- so Phoebe Waller-Bridges. Bridges? Yeah, Phoebe Waller-Bridges. So
0: I would highly recommend Fleabag is one of the best shows I've ever seen. But anyway, they bring her in and she's kicking everybody's ass, but it's so secondary to, it didn't really bother me because now you have a 2000 year old man who's beating everybody up like effortlessly beating people up. That was, that certainly minimized the fact that, that Fleabag was kicking ass because it's like, how is he moving? Like he's even moving. I don't get it. I don't know. Yeah, as far as
1: like an old man indie too, between this and crystal skull, obviously when they made crystal skull, I don't know if they expected it to do well, but he was definitely, I don't know, in sixties then in whatever, 2003, eight, whatever year that, that crystal skull came out. But now to then just redo it, oh, here's the old man indie story again. He's still old. He's older. It just seems that like one of those two films is not necessary because it's the same story. It's the same old man indie story. And if I were to rewatch these movies again for as much as Crystal Skull is, I, I might skip Crystal Skull. I don't know. And then just watch this one just because this one's a Mangold film. It looks a little better. It handles the theme maybe a little better. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think um, I would I would give this a rewatch just because I think there was stuff I missed because I was kind of frustrated with it. This is where it definitely solidified my theory that luck is his superpower. Like the the sequence on the train at the beginning, where just because of where he's standing, the the gun that doesn't the gun get hit by by some accident that and the gun just massacres everyone on the train.
1: Oh yeah yeah yeah. Well, I think there is some allies in planes strafe the train. Kill the guys operating the gun. The a gun is then, I don't know, set to automatically fire. And that you're talking about where it's hitting the train, yeah, and They're hits, shooting and their own train. It.
0: And yeah. all the Nazis get shot. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was a little, you know, that was a little fantasy, but I didn't mind the setup.
0: Yeah. Except the, again, planes coming in. I keep going back to the same tiresome point, but when this takes place would be pre Temple of Doom then
1: uh i I looked it up it's 1944 is when the train takes scene takes place which would have been after raiders of the lost Ark. so so temple of doom takes place in 35.
0: weird he's he he joins the army after raiders of the lost ark and temple of doom uh
1: is he is in this flashback is he supposed to be military i think he was just trying to
0: rescue oh yeah that's right right. yeah never mind
1: that's right chronologically this occurs after last crusade Okay. Uh, the events my of Crusader point, are 38, 44 is the flashback in
0: dialogue. My, my point still stands: that why is he doubting? His friend is saying that this device has superpowers. Right. He doesn't believe it. Like wh- I think we just need him to get proven wrong just once to believe. Uh, he would just shrug and assume everything is real. The Ten Commandments shoot lasers. Verified. You were there. You saw it. The three rocks. Um. Actually, I don't remember what their power was. They they say in it. Do you understand? Just bring powers? life
1: to the village yeah that's a, i think uh, the reason he i understand their seeks power them out. <laughs> out yeah he's the reason he seeks them out is because when they were removed by the, the guys yeah whatever the, that the river
0: is. was poisoned they were doing the what do you call what's the what do they do in virginia to the mountains mountaintop removal or whatever but yeah that's what i assume that their mining had poisoned the river but i guess they did have a power but anyway so holy grail equals eternal life absolutely verified you were there to see it
1: <laughs> right crystal right. skull is yeah, your father was shot you poured yeah you poured the you water on him. his bullet <laughs> killed like wolverine yeah and the crystal
0: skull is a real skull and there are aliens and you were there you saw it verified and when somebody says the dial of destiny may uh line up with portals in the he's like fuck that Not, nah, <laughs> that's not real so of course yeah, he, it's real everything is real he needs a scully or no he needs a who is the skeptic scully or molder
1: Mulder was the the wild ones uh, scully was the skeptic yeah he needs he needs to be a molder but he's a scully
0: even though he's just like scully who has seen proof of the supernatural hundreds of
1: times right. still a skeptic Yeah, in you know? the scene where he they have this like mid flashback scene where it flashes back to where she is a child and like this middle-aged indie is having a conversation with toby, Jones, toby right. jones's character and the whatever de-aging, re-aging they did to Indy there looks really odd. Like they gave them this weird kind of like grayish hair. I can't tell if it was just like makeup effect. It was really odd looking too. Plus yeah, you didn't really quite understand when all that was taking place until the end. When
0: you I'm said, starting to think that when you de-age someone in these movies that it has a has kind of a, um, a Dorian Gray effect in real life. Because Harrison Ford <laughs> looks like Doc Brown now from Back to the Future. Like don't yeah, let it looks him. It's like de- a leather aging. catcher's mitt. Yeah, it's, it did something to him. All the re-aging and de-aging. But what did you think of her? Speaking of the flashback of of wombat, we've got all these. We've got wombat and mutt and these these wacky animal names for the kids in his life. is yeah, she, I what did you think of her character?
1: She was at, at first I thought she was being she was a little inconsistent because you want played likable.
0: But she's being an asshole for she's, no reason.
1: Like why is she? So Indiana Jones trusts her. They have some history. Yeah.
0: And she's but so then she then she double
1: crossed them. She he she like whatever, she pulls that cage door on him. Why
0: would she do that? And it, is I if they wanted to
1: make her like Marion. They wanted to
0: make her a wild
1: card. But she has no reason to be a wild card. And it's such an extreme. I mean, because <clears throat> they set it up where her she she's a little jaded. Her father lost his kind of his mental health because he was studying this artifact. And she's a little jaded so she's just in it for money. That's fine. Then she's trapping Indiana Jones, her, basically her godfather. She's trapping him in a room with Nazis. Like that seems a little extreme, you know, like you're not going to trap him in a caged Nazis.
0: Yeah. You're You're going to get him killed. Your father figure. You're going to get him. I think Amy said when we were watching it, like, why not have her have been wronged by Indiana Jones, blame Jones for the death of her dad, which is, I guess a little smidgen of that is in there, but have her really mad at him. Instead, she really isn't to explain why she's double crosses him, and then she learns to treat him as the dad figure he is. But she needed to be wronged by him in a severe way for how much she puts them in peril. Also, I didn't understand her abilities. She seems to be really good at some kind of Mission Impossible trickery. She's where did she get those skills? Now, I'm not talking about fighting. Cause that's just a given that everybody is masters of martial arts these days. But you know, as far as like the the bomb trick she pulled on him on the boat, which was kind of clever. There seems like, where, like and I don't it. know
1: this. I didn't. I didn't do a lot of research, but it seems like production wise, there was a lot cut out of the film. This kind of relates to that. There is a character I forget her name. She is a black CIA agent. Yeah, I thought she they were gets setting her up. So very little to do. Clearly, there was more they of her, her up, somewhere.
0: Yeah. They set her up as a big character, and it didn't happen. You're and
1: right. They, they, it, yeah, she has so little on screen time, and it's so. I think that might have happened to some degree. But they do We're give her a lot wombat.
0: of. They give that character a lot of meaningful reaction shots. Where I thought right. that that I thought that she was going to have a turnaround or become one of the big heavies, right. but then they just kill her on the plane.
1: I think they might have also chopped up this wombat character a little bit, and that felt that's what made it feel a little inconsistent to me. Uh, later on, she does kind of level out as far as what her motivations are you start to get it once she's on board with you know trying to rescue indy and all that right but i agree there is some there is some like espionage type tricks that she pulls yeah the stick of dynamite or what was it
0: grenade or something yeah she was going around uh, i don't remember now but she was going around the room And lighting little sticks of dynamite everywhere or no? Well, I think she
1: had one. She she, like she she palmed one of them. She was picking up the supplies to to light it. Yeah. She had and then she put it behind her and then indie lit it or whatever. Yeah. It was um, and as far as that boat scene, not to kind of derail it as well, what also felt chopped up was the stuff on the boat and the stuff underwater. That seemed so insignificant. Like you know maybe something there was a macguffin that was discovered underwater some the story the plot yeah jumped another step but that whole stuff seemed just so inconsequential
0: yeah it seems arbitrary inconsequential is a good word because i noticed while watching this that there's that famous raiders of the lost ark critique That if you watch the movie, you'll notice that no matter what he does has no effect on the bad guy getting the thing and doing exact. The guy does exactly what he wants to do. He gets the arc and takes it to the island and he opens it and it kills them all. And Indiana Jones had no effect on you've seen this famous uh, interpretation of it. So watching this one, I couldn't help but think about it because that's what happens here is he has no effect on it. And and all all these big sequences have him almost turn it around, but he doesn't. At the end of all those sequences, the bad guy's plan continues further and further and further until they just open up the portal as they wanted to. And because of a miscalculation, they end up in the wrong time. But just like quick, a miscalculation, quick, they let the ghosts out that eat their faces. So it's it does have the same. I don't know. If, is that a commentary on that critique that Indiana Jones does not affect the outcome in any way?
1: He's just hapless. It just happens to him or happens around.
0: Or he just, he has big moments, but the moments never deviate from, I thought for a minute that because it was this, there was a time travel aspect, which wasn't clear until way into it, but the idea that maybe he's fated, it, it, does fate mean that these things have to happen. And it would be kind of clever to say, well, here's Indiana Jones trying his hardest to change the course of these moments in history. And he, can't, and he can't because they're fated to happen. That would have been clever, but they didn't do that. I don't know if you watched uh, The Killer, the Fincher movie. No, I
1: haven't. I haven't seen it yet.
0: This isn't going to spoil anything, but there are, there's an interpretation that's popped up where people say, well, he's, he's bad at what he does. And I think that's not really accurate, too. I think that because Fincher is so good at what he does, there is this assumption that because all these dramatic moments have to happen... That it means that the killer himself, he has this monotone narration where he talks about how great he is and how efficient he is. And then he'll and then something will go wrong. Something has to go wrong or there's no movie. Some the killer can't be as efficient as he claims or else there's no drama. So I think people have just because it's Fincher, they've they've reinterpreted it as, well, no, he's supposed to be bad. But if you watch it and I'll let you, you know, I'd like to see your interpretation. He's not bad at what he does. I think that that's just this clever Internet meme where it's like Indiana Jones. He's he's actually fucking it up. He's actually not. No, I don't think that's the case. I think that for a movie to happen, there has to be drama. So he has to kind of drop the ball at key moments to keep the movie going. I don't think it's a big sweeping indictment of the narration, if that makes any sense. Yeah, That's that's the interpretation that's out there is. Actually, the killer is bad at what he does. And that's why it's funny. Um, I don't see that at all. I don't see it as being funny for that reason. I think that that's just inherent in dramatic moments. But anyway.
1: Yeah. um, But I mean, as far as Indiana Jones and like how skilled he is, like, I I mean, I think his character is meant you're meant to think he is skilled, even though he might be a little sloppy with it. You know, I think some of the best Indiana Jones is when he's like in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, when he's just like half untucked shirt, you know, like sweaty. He's like fumbling he, around. He, that he famously
0: is, says, I'm making it up as I go. Right, that's, right. That's I, I don't said. mind that. I don't yeah, mind that. That like shit's him. great. That's, that's like Die Hard showing him with bloody feet and getting fucked up was kind of novel. Like, this is fun to watch the hero get fucked up so bad. I think that they were ahead of the curve with that.
1: So I don't mind him being skilled at the same time. Being a little bumbling, you know, I don't like he definitely seems you're supposed to think that he's very well-educated. He has the knowledge. He just might not have the necessary physical means a hundred percent of the time.
0: I would say besides his superpowers, which we've established as luck punching and the whip is a ravenous greed that he (laughs) really, he wants that stuff. I think that's great too. I like that about him.
1: He's always reaching for his gun, even if he doesn't have it.
0: (laughs) He's also, he's also a, the trigger happy maniac, but yeah, the uh, what did you think of um, the big ending? Like, well, did you feel like it was setting him up to make him a literal fossil? That because I thought that would be appropriate. That but they're I'm not going to they won't kill their cash cow.
1: I was kind of torn. I, honestly, I was kind of torn because I could see where it was going as it was getting there, and I was thinking to myself like, which way do I want this to go? Obviously, you can choose path A: leave Indy in the past. B: bring him home. You know, those are your two two choices and as i'm watching the film i'm like hmm, i kind of wouldn't mind seeing it this way or this way in the end i don't mind what they did as far as bringing him home that's the happy ending and it's that is the happy ending it is, it's kind of like a the new, meaning
0: yeah he's got a surrogate family he's got marion and fleabag and pubert they get to be happy together but like to make him a literal fossil who you know hear me out ends up in a museum how do you not do that how do you I, not have was, him end up in a museum we found this tiny head. <laughs> we found for this- most of
1: that ending, I was leaning in that direction. I wanted to see him because it seems fitting. You know, that's where he wanted to be. He spent his life or his adult life it seems motivated like was a rewrite, towards learning. It? They rewrote. It felt like a reshoot for sure. Yeah. Like he wanted to, he, he had he invested his adult life into discovering and learning about the past. It does seem fitting where he would come to live in the past. He would leave himself in the past. To just experience it, even if he's going to die, it, they made it seem like his choice was go home and live, stay here, die prematurely with this primitive medicine because you've gotten yeah. shot.
0: Although he, he probably wouldn't end up in a museum, his his little head, his skull would be in a the bodies exhibit in a disreputable bodies exhibit in
1: Pittsburgh, or it would just fuck up the timeline. And he, you, you uh, know, I
0: think I think that I don't know if the listeners want to know about when we went to the bodies exhibit. Oh yeah, and they had a little. If anybody knows, this was all sorts of body parts in alarmingly candid ways you get to see all this here's the circulatory system here's a head but it turned out that they might have been probably were political prisoners oh for sure and they so they pulled the exhibit but they had a they had a feature where you could leave a note and pin it to the wall and you <laughs> what was the note you I still it? have the
1: note it's packed away in a box somewhere <laughs>
0: what is it? what but yeah it, say? it was
1: it was like a a board like a wall and you would <laughs> you could write on a little st- post-it note some message some expression of your experience here watching these looking at these political prisoners be dissected you could slap them you know you could write whatever slap it up on the wall we spent a couple minutes looking at the wall and one stuck out and it said and it was clearly written in like child handwriting which was even more alarming it said why did you chop up these people and it it's hard to express you know visually you know without seeing it but it's think of a child's handwriting on it
0: it's the million dollar question note. it is the million right. dollar. why question. did you
1: chop up these people it was it was perfect see, I, misremembered so I, I, that. It. I misremembered it and thought that you had written that as a joke because it was too no cool. no see I, I I and was probably against some sort of you know ethical ethical oh, you, guidelines you, to take you, so these did, oh, of course i still have it the, the
0: ethical guidelines of the exhibit that's using the corpses of executed right. criminals so I, or innocent people right so right yeah yeah but anyway so yeah that um that if to have indiana jones end up in the bodies exhibit was the closure i wanted and didn't get well
1: i that, think it was also a little distracting because at some point in the film you realize okay this is some sort of time travel narrative and when you start to think about that, you're like, well, time travel narratives are so hard to handle. How do you deal with paradoxes? How do you deal with the, the travel process itself? And it becomes so messy. And there's uh, there's such a small fraction of time travel movies that actually work. They're successful. You mentioned Primer early. That's one yeah. of very few that are successful from start to finish. And as you're going through the movie, you realize this is a time travel movie. Shit, what's that going to get me into? Like, What kind of weird and wild scenarios is that going to create. And I'm watching it and I'm I'm nitpicking obviously. But I'm thinking okay, what is the, what are the mechanics of this device? How how yeah. what's the method of travel? So then I so I you might be able to answer some of these questions for me because after I watched the film, I looked online. I tried to went on Reddit and some other sources just to see if I can find people talking about the mechanics of the time travel, how how it works. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is how it works. So the device itself doesn't open or close any portals.
0: That's how I took it. it it's just right. showing you where they
1: are. Right. It's only showing you where you, where they are, but apparently... It's, so these things are naturally occurring, which is kind of kind of buried. That lead is kind of just buried. That yeah. in our world, in our or real everywhere. world, there are these portals that just occur they, they in the sky, presumably. They, that
0: was a good place for a
1: Bermuda Triangle joke, and they didn't use it. Exactly, exactly. So these things just occur, which... Okay, deal with that. There are these portals in the air, in the atmosphere that open up. You can fly through them if you have the means and go through time. So that's one, one layer of the time travel. But then it's kind of indicated or hinted that the dial doesn't do shit. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't send you to where you input the coordinates. to. It is only ever going to one location. Apparently Archimedes designed this dial He needed help i guess in 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 real earth history archimedes died at that battle in real life so okay that
0: that explains something i was very confused about
1: so in the fiction of the movie he is this scientist he's creating this device this battle is occurring it's unclear but he basically creates this device or it's this paradoxical device that is only ever intended to send someone back to this battle for archimedes to then experience or to his time portal in the sky theories are
0: correct. See, and that's really odd. That just sounds like trying to write yourself out of a paradox. Cause as soon as he showed up there, I was talking to the screen like, Wow, what a huge coincidence.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah.
0: And then then they quickly explain it to you and say it's not a coincidence. It's the only place they could have gone. It's the only place it goes. Right. So does that discount when they said, oh, you've got the coordinates wrong and that you could have gone back to Nazi Germany. So none of that stuff is possible. And if that's the case, how is it a naturally occurring portal that always takes you back to where he's at?
1: Exactly. It's yeah, there's society, so many- it makes no sense. So many contrived con- like little conveniences. Yeah. And I think that there is a, a moment too where they're in the plane, they're approaching the portal in their Indiana Jones's present time. And he says something about uh, tectonic plate shifting. He's like, Archimedes had no knowledge of that. We didn't understand it then. He, so the coordinates are wrong. And it's unclear if Indiana Jones somehow, is he, is he tricking them because he doesn't know that. So that's not ultimately what happened. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's not,
0: to be that is all, he trying to
1: trick them or is he discovering something on his own? Like at this weird moment,
0: I think they're trying to do it all, all those things at once, but then ultimately it's just all paths lead to that day. And that guy, it, it, I think you are thinking about it more than they thought about it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. I think that they didn't know how to get out of that. I think I did read something where where Mangold was given a, a previous idea and this was his rewrite that he okay. wanted to, that originally they weren't going to go back to, or it, the time travel was all going to be a little more vague or something. I, I don't know exactly what it, what he said, but it was something about, he decided that the audience craved seeing him in the past for real and that they were going to make that happen. And I guess plot be damned that they're going to put him somewhere some sort of impressive archaeological moment. And then I think it seems to me that that's where he would have stayed and that would have made perfect sense. He has nothing left in the
1: present. Kind of what we mentioned before, as far as like him witnessing these supernatural or.
0: Yeah. And he does say something about that. Like I can't, I get to see history for once. It's like, but you kind of saw a lot of
1: history, dude. (laughs) And even like it would have been some part of me, a version of the ending where he just flies over it. You know, they fly through this portal into this world. Something occurs that where they have to turn around and go home. But, like, I almost would like seeing it from a distance in some version. I don't know yeah. how successful that would be, you know. Yeah, I'm guessing how... that,
0: that battle was probably a lot less cinematic than it was portrayed. Like oh, i sure. It was, yeah. it was pretty action-packed.
1: But, like, kind of how Raiders of the Lost Ark, they, he experiences it with his eyes closed, the ending. You know, the arc opening, his eyes are closed. That's so he why that's really such a,
0: a better way to do it. It's it a, is, yeah. The deniability and even,
1: even with the grail yeah he sees his father be healed he you know, there's some understanding that yeah you gain immortality but you step outside you lose that immortality that's kind of this fleeting glimpse at this supernatural event i kind of wanted to see him at the end just glimpse it fly over the battle something happens causes them to have to go but i i did like where it went i would have liked him to stay there that would have kind of fit his character a little bit
0: i think they missed an opportunity though with the ending with his surrogate family and he gets to do his whole uh they reverse the whole well where doesn't it hurt joke where he's like it uh, doesn't, yeah. hurt here, doesn't hurt here it seems like they missed an opportunity for to just hear like off screen uh, zipper go zip
1: <laughs> and then credits <laughs> well i i didn't i didn't mind marion showing up at the end it, her her appearance in this film is i think better than her overall appearance in crystal skull Crystal Skull was like, she was, I don't know how old Mer- uh, Karen Allen was at the time, but maybe in her sixties, but like, it seemed like they were playing her younger than she actually was
0: yeah, a little like, bit. Like Harrison Ford caught up with her now and they're, they both, the ages are match or something.
1: But yeah. So then in, in Dial of Destiny, she's handled, her characters handled a little more maturely. She looks a, like a woman of her age. That I liked that her appearance and that interaction more than her entire presence in
0: yeah i think there was a a lack of weight there was a lack of history to her in crystal skull where she seemed kind of like that wasn't the per that isn't the person that went through the the events of raiders of the lost ark maybe whereas this woman seemed like somebody who had gone through that stuff with him previously it made sense that she would be a little um weary of adventures by then and she's lost uh she lost old mutt
1: Mutt, yeah
0: Yeah. Which see I, i'm guessing is because they uh you know he lost his mind in real life and so uh, they, yeah they wrote him out of the script i don't know
1: yeah with these movies where they keep have these franchises star wars has been doing this too where like they've just beaten these franchises to death for so long that they have to like retcon these weird choices that they've made yeah or the, leave past, the you know
0: just the attempt to leave the window they they literally leave the window open here, just like in Crystal Skull where the with oh, the hat.
1: The Talking hat gets the hat. away yeah. from
0: him and then he grabs it back like, nah, fuck you, kid. And so in this one, the hat is hung up, hung out to dry.
1: Yeah. Fine. Iris, he, iris to black on the hat.
0: Yeah. And he's it and he still grabs the damn. Let hat. this
1: man sleep. Let him be free.
0: <laughs> right. Let him let him die. Let him yeah, let, let him, him die. He belongs in a museum. That's probably a good place to wrap it up. But speaking of belongs in a museum, I think um I think that that people should know that you've been sending me, you've been mailing me things that probably should be in a museum. They should probably be in a, what do you call an insect museum or a house of horrors. You've sent, you've mailed me
1: a jar of spiders from it, not recently, but yeah, I had there were some things I've I've mailed into the past.
0: this is uh, that we can uh, we'll, we'll fade out on this is how we're gonna iris oh boy we're gonna okay. iris to black fading out on all the things that that uh, Nathan okay. had sent me in the mail that should be in a museum or should be in a uh, lab or. This should be in a police evidence room. you a said. lot of
1: yeah. It's a lot of specimen, a lot of biological specimens that are jar probably of
0: spiders. Not, I, st- I still have
1: jar of spiders. I found one day. This would have been probably heck ten years ago. Well, I found a, a I found a, a a mother spider carrying a uh, giant egg sac, and it was just crawling with with baby spiders. And it just had it it where it was. I thought these it,
0: were spiders that you'd been collecting from your office or from
1: your no no that one in particular was like a it was found in in a house and it couldn't have been stayed there so I, but i did send you two um <clears throat> so you
0: skulls don't uh, put, i want to i want to bury the i want to bury the lead cuz i want to save the the best for last you did send okay uh, that's skulls. what i was
1: that was what i was going to suggest but yeah so <laughs> i've got some, um, some
0: some small skulls and some uh i think a finger bone or something um,
1: uh yeah
0: yeah and uh an, did you send me there was some other insect in formaldehyde Maybe, maybe, maybe a mantis,
1: maybe praying mantis.
0: It may have been a, yeah, you might have found a praying mantis. So this disclaimer, I assume you're not killing these things. You're just. No, 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 no. You're just setting up like a tiny little neon sign flashing, go in here, (laughs) screw the bottle tight.
1: Well, to be, to be completely (laughs) transparent, all of this stuff, a lot of this happened a long time ago. I don't, I'm not in so much of the uh, specimen collection game anymore as it is. Except,
0: well, except for your most recent ones, which. You've yes. sent me more than one raccoon penis.
1: That is correct. Yes, more than one. That is correct.
0: You don't want you don't want to elaborate to the court while you sent me more than one raccoon.
1: Well, penis. okay. So I don't. I don't know how many listeners know this. I didn't know this until Wait, I thought, wait, I thought you were going to say
0: I don't know how many raccoon penises is,
1: is on you. I man. own. No. <laughs> yeah. How many is too many? How
0: many is too many?
1: <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't learn this recently, but <clears throat> more more knowledgeable individuals would know this. Some mammals including raccoons have a bone in their penis a os penis or os something um and it's to help them maintain turpidity while they you know um and uh, i once recently found a raccoon skeleton in the woods somewhere it was nicely laid out which is not common you know normally when the Critter dies in the woods. Some other animals tear it apart and take the pieces everywhere. But I found this full, fully articulated skeleton laying on its side. And I'm picking through it with the stick in my hand. And I noticed that there is a hooked, it's probably three or four inches long, uh, hooked bone. I thought it was a rib at first, picked it up, wasn't a rib, took it home, learned it was a, a penis bone. Once you see those, once you know what they are, you see them everywhere, you know, um,
0: so uh, it's like short a, time, it's, it's a red car syndrome. Once you get a red car, you see red cars everywhere.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So I sent you that one just as kind of a, as a goof. I don't it know if you want to disclose one, this. The
0: second one to make it funny. But the the second it. one is funny. The first
1: one was funnier to me because it coincided and you can choose to leave this in the pod or not, but it coincided completely unintentionally with the, shall we say, conception of, of your eldest child. Yes. So it was kind of this odd, it like
0: was a, it was a fertility ritual.
1: Yeah. So I shook the can of bones into the air and then boom, <laughs> things happen. So, um, so then a short time later I found a second bone in the woods, same, same penis bone. Um,
0: or, or do you have, a, you have a, a much jankier dial of destiny where all paths lead to the same penis bone in the same wood. bone
1: in the, yeah, in the woods, yeah in the
0: same carcass. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: And if I find a third, heck, I mean I I'll I'll keep my eyes open. I'll look for another one.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, right. A comedy cut to you in a room just knee
1: knee deep right. in penis bones. <laughs> like a ball pit of just of just penis bones. <laughs> oh. There is a market for them. Apparently you can there's there's a bunch of websites where you can buy cleaned bones. There's actually a market for people who collect, you know, skulls and things like that. And I think I believe one of the big ones is called Skulls Unlimited which doesn't leave much to the imagination as far as their their company name and their website but skulls unlimited is one of the big ones and i think they also sell penis bones so if you're in the market if you're looking they they I don't
0: need I don't need to look because they okay. just show, they, <laughs> they just come show up to in you yeah.
1: they come to you yeah
0: <laughs> why would i shop for them it's like a it's like this apple tree outside i just they just show up seasonally